2: I almost made Gilligan's Island our new theme song.
1: I was like, what was that?
2: <laughs> Thanks to Jamil, I think it's just such a great photo that we thought we should do Gilligan's Island. You're
1: hot, man. You got <laughs> nice legs.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a good picture. I am pretty hot. Yeah you are. I always wanted to be a redhead. Yeah. What do you think, Danielle?
3: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> I should have been a redhead. <laughs> Dave McLean's on the show with us today from Magnolia. Is running a little late. Got stuck in a little bridge traffic. I hope he gets here soon, though, because um, I'm drinking Corona. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: drinking Paps.
2: I, are you? Yeah. Oh, that's what JP left in the fridge. <laughs> we need it's some all good, his fault. We need some good beer in here, man. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Paps and Corona. Leaves a bad taste in my mouth, even. Ugh. I like the Corona actually, especially after barley wine festival oh, yesterday. Yeah. Oh, uh, I needed a light beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful gassy. There's, like, too much carbonation in it, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's a tasty that one. It was tough. One of the news stories I'm going to read today uh, describes Mexico as the, uh, I think, number one exporter of beer to the United States. Only be behind... So Heineken land. Where's that? Holland? Yeah. Denmark? <laughs> Denmark or something. The Denmark. Netherlands? I forget. One of those places. Somewhere north. <laughs> we got a good show for you today. Dave McLean from Magnolia is going to come in and talk to us all about cast-conditioned ales. And uh, at the Magnolia Pub and Brewery right there in San Francisco, they keep five of them on tap. Which, uh, really is more than you can find at almost any brew pub in the United States. Uh, you know, a cask conditioned ales on tap. Traditional English, uh, beer engines serving them. He has his own, uh, cask cellar, the whole bit. So, we're gonna talk all about that kind of stuff and possibly how we can translate that to, uh, to homebrewing too.
1: Nice. Nice. John, off the top of
2: your head, can you just, is there, um You know things that you add to a fermenter to make it taste cask conditioning. Like you can oak age by adding oak chips, or or do you have to have a cask?
1: You can add oak, but uh, serve at a low, low carbonation level, like four or six pounds. Okay. B three is going to be selling a hand pump soon. Oh, is that so right? You can, yeah, you can have your own English shales on tap. That's pretty nice. Yeah.
2: No CO2 involved to the hand pump. No,
1: but it'll go bad, though, because you're inoculating air, so eventually it'll actually stale on you. Oh, right. So.
2: You might only want to do the short uh, kegs or the two and a half gallons or something. Use, so a, light go CO2. It. Use
1: a light CO2 or a nitrogen source.
2: Okay, yeah. I got gotcha. you. All right,
1: so we got that going on, and then a
2: couple of good reports coming to you today. Uh, Daniela and I are going to report on the Barley Wine Festival uh, that we went to yesterday at the Toronado in San Francisco. Tasted oh, a bunch great. of really good barley oh, nice. wines. Uh, and then also uh, calling in to help us do that, we're going to have Chris Black, who actually owns Falling Rock Tap House in Denver, Colorado. Mm. Word has it that anybody who's ever been to the uh, GABF uh, knows the Tap House, the Falling Rock Tap he's House. He's a great guy. He was cool. We hung out with him a bit last night. He's going to call in, and he's actually at sure. the uh, celebrator anniversary party today, I think, down yeah. there at uh, in, in Berkeley. So, uh, Was it going on, what, noon to four? or I don't know, uh, or four to yeah, midnight, something morning. like that. Until <laughs> it's all gone, right? I'm not sure. JP's actually going to call in, too, and that's give us a report from there. And Chris is going to call in and help us talk about the barley wines that we tasted. And then, of course, I think Dave was at, uh, one of the judges at the Barley Wine Fest, too. So when he gets here, we'll do a report on that kind of stuff. So I'm excited. Just a couple of good things going on in the beer world that we get to talk about here today. Local, uh, too. That's right, all local stuff. And people at this uh, festival... The uh, Toronado Festival. There were people there from all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Chris Black, who I was just talking about, flew in from Colorado just wow. for that thing, and uh, lots of other people did the same. In fact, some of our listeners were out there. Uh, but I'll do a full report on that okay. later. And uh, some uh, some of our listeners' friends flew in from other places just for this thing too. So, uh, how many how many did you actually t- taste? <sighs> 15? I what?
4: think it was about 15. Yeah. We have a list. Yeah. It was about 15. Two, Ooh, I'm
2: done. We tasted <laughs> a pretty good amount. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you uh, all about that kind of stuff. Okay. It was a fun week at the BN, let's just say that. In many ways. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one. Oh my God! You've got mail. Kick it. Nothing from Anonymous Jameel this week. Really? Yeah. Darn it. Which actually makes me think that I figured out who our Anonymous Jameel is. What is that? Well, just the fact that we didn't get one this week uh-huh. really makes me think that uh, I know who the person is now. Why? I well, don't I don't, don't want to. I don't want to spill the beans, but there's definitely some <laughs> sort of connection. You have no clue, still. No, I know. <laughs> I got it nailed down. Jameel gave me like a like a hint last week, which I wish he hadn't done. But between that hint and then uh, that I didn't get one this week, and I'm not. And I don't. I'm not saying I think it's Jameel. I'm just saying between those two hints. I think I figured out who Anonymous Jamil is. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, you're a sissy ass for not sending in one this week, buddy. Mm. Just when things were getting rolling, last week's was great.
4: So Jamil gave you a hint who Jamil is. Yeah. Ah, And you figured out who Jameel is. (laughs) Weird. That's damn good. (laughs)
2: That's very strange. (laughs) But I did get a few other uh, pieces of feedback in the mail this week, and I thought we'd discuss those. Uh, One of them is, hey, how do I get those two shows, Lunch Meat and the Jameel Show, into iTunes so I will get them every time? I think I discussed this, but I'll talk about it again just in case. And I'm happy
4: to hear it again, Uh, too, because I have no clue.
2: Well, I'm working on getting those shows into a podcast format. Mm. The problem is I can't use the same engine. I'm using with this show because okay. for one if I put them all up as, as the same podcast then people who didn't subscribe to those things would get all the other shows ah, like, okay. and I don't want people to get shows they didn't subscribe to of course not even though they're both just brilliant <laughs> shows and everybody should hear them I don't want anybody getting uh, what they're not supposed to so I can't load it up on the same one mm-hmm. if I put them up on my current uh, uh, podcast publisher as their own show iTunes won't accept them because they're too similar in, in, in name to the current show wow All sorts of weird technical issues. Mm -hmm. So, long story short, is that a new engine is being built for us so that each show will have its own podcast. You can subscribe to them individually, choose which ones you want. Um, It's being worked on now. I'm hoping the guy will be done uh, sometime this week. Oh, that's great. So there you go. Everybody will be able to uh, get their their individual podcast. And Dave has just joined us in the studio. How are you, Dave? I'm good, thanks. Good, good. Glad you made it. Nice to be here. Making friends with the uh, radio mascot there already, I see, the dog. (laughs) Nice work. Uh, did you go to the Barley Wine Festival yesterday? I did. You did. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about that uh, a little bit later because I got a little report to do and thought maybe you could help me out. Did, did you do some judging there?
5: I didn't. I you just,
2: didn't? I okay.
5: went and sampled the wares.
2: Okay. Gotcha. All right. We're going to get that in a little bit and we'll talk all about it. Uh, welcome, Dave. Uh, another one we got here. Let's see. Justin, love the show. When will you have more t-shirts for sale? I know you had problems moving the first bunch, mm-hmm. but after your rant, they went away so fast that I couldn't order one fast enough.
1: Quite a salesman.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Quite a whiner. Yeah, he says, uh, I'll even send you a check now if you can hold one for me. And he'd be interested in a bumper sticker and a pint glass if they were available. So he wants to know, and that's Captain Kangaroo from the, uh, the forum. Uh, Captain, uh, they will be, I, I can't tell you when. I'm having trouble finding somebody who can handle our logo. Uh the one guy with the shirts that I sold you guys took him 200 shirts to get the 45 right that I sold That's to you. That's a bad percentage. So, uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to do that again. So just hang in there. I'm working with some people. I'm hoping new merch will be available in a couple weeks. And you won't have to send me a check early because uh, we, we're we going to order enough stuff for everybody. It won't be a problem.
1: When's the uh, calendar coming out? Yeah, I'm going to work
2: on that. What we'll uh, calendar? <laughs> we got a couple different calendars. The calendar of you, Daniela. That's oh. what everybody's asking for. That's for personal use only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> I'll sign it for That's an internal document.
2: (laughs) We are going to, I think, do a calendar. You guys have been so funny and so creative uh, in the forum with pictures of us and pictures of each other and all that that we figured we'd do a, a 12 month calendar of those pictures. And in, like, BN style, we'll probably start the calendar. Like, the first month of the calendar will be, like, June. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Why not? It's our first uh, first birthday that's anyway. Right.
2: Our calendar goes from June to June. Yeah. You know? So uh, that's what I think we're going to do, have those calendars available well, to it'll you. We'll take four months to get them, so. Yeah. <laughs> Problem is, I know that some of those pictures you don't want to see hanging on your wall, but we're going to put them there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, in the new load of merch, Red you in get your some home That's
4: awesome. Especially Jameel's work has improved a lot recently yeah. on those pics.
2: Yeah, I think that's why I, I'm pretty sure Jameel got fired or something. This boy he's uh, a secretive guy. I tell you that. Just <laughs> Sitting around doing Photoshop all day, that yeah. guy. <laughs> Good pick, though. So. you see the one he put up at a lunch meat show? Oh, my one? God.
4: I laughed for ten minutes. <laughs> and it's so true.
2: I want to make a T-shirt out of that, but I don't think anyone's going to wear them. No. I will. It's like me bending over in front of JP. It's terrible. Fishing together. Funny as hell, though. All right. Hey, last one's actually about you and uh, Magnolia, Dave. I got an email about you. You haven't even done the show yet. Nice. Says, uh, hey, everyone, until my wife and I won a gift certificate to Magnolia Pub, we had never heard of it. When we went there, we were very impressed. They had four cascales on tap, and we had to try them all. Good work. Uh, As well as the non-cast versions. We were stunned. Great beer. And then he's got a few questions for you that I'll throw in later when we do the uh, the full interview with you. That's a good word already. Yeah. Never went there. Yeah. That's nice to hear. Took a a little free pass for him to get there, but uh, that's cool. Good things there. Whatever works. And then they, uh, oh, and then about us, John and, and Daniel, says, thanks for being such an amazingly great brewing
1: resource. Nice. He obviously hasn't listened to the last two shows. <laughs> I actually met the guy who wrote that email. Oh, is that right? He was reciting quotes from our previous shows. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I'll
2: tell you, I got some, uh, the guys in the chat room this morning during the blue show, they must have been drunk. Uh, in fact, I know they were drunk. They were oh. drinking bourbon and whiskey. But they were actually saying good things about us during the thing where they're usually just making fun of me the whole show. Nice. But uh, Gucci uh, out of New Jersey there won a couple of prizes in a brew competition. Says it was all due to the tips he's gotten from this show. Wow. And I really apologize. I don't remember the name. Uh, oh, a uh, Spider who's uh, I think Rob in our in our forum. I think that's who he said won two first places. Wow. And he said the same thing. It was because his brewing has improved due to
1: the show.
4: Wow, oh, that's like uh, the best compliment we yeah. can receive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I know said, uh, Gary Foster plays twice, too, in a couple competitions. Did he, <laughs> did he uh, Scottish that shilling? Of course he did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. See? Make an award-winning beer happen over yeah. here. Okay, so enough of the nice ones. Here you go. Uh, Justin Week, JP Too Cheap to Buy a Name, and Dr. Scott Freaking Out. I think he didn't know how to make fun of you, John, so he didn't put a little making fun of you in there. He just said it, John. <laughs> I did <just> stay quiet. <laughs> yeah, and quiet, John. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast for about three weeks, trying to catch up, and finally listened to my first live show last week. Uh, of course, we were brewing, so I missed most of it. Uh, he says he'll listen to the archive. Big Dog is uh, his buddy, and I are the northernmost listeners, at least according to our Frapper map, because they're in Alaska. So he says there are most uh, uh, northern listeners. You can go to our Frapper map uh, through the forum. Click on the beer radio link, and then it's the first link at the top of that thread. And you can put yourself on the map there. In fact, Dave, I would encourage you to do the same. A lot of our guests uh, put on there. People just like to look through and see where people are from. Um, so do that. Uh, go to our Frapper map. Put yourself on the map. Um, so he says, yeah, there are northern most. Uh, Big Dog and he, they live next door to each other. Uh, the next time I complain about the weather, he says, think about this. Two weeks ago, it was 50 below. Wow. Fucking 50 below, he repeats. (laughs) Need I say more? You pussies, not you, Daniela. It was like 45 degrees (laughs) above zero today. It's it's nice Uh, out there today. (laughs) 50 below. Man. Uh, He says, I live in a property that was homesteaded in the 60s, and my landlord, which is Big Dog in the chat room, is a cool guy that got him back into brewing and turned him on to our show. Thank you, Big Dog. Uh, Another guy I work with lives here, too, and they all live in a cluster of cabins on a ridge. The the music is perfect in the background. For It's sounding a little inbred to me. Uh, So they uh, brew weekly together, mostly mini mash, -mash, and they've gotten pretty damn good. At least that's what we'll tell each other when we're four to five bombers into a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. (laughs) When we aren't brewing, we snowmobile miles into the backcountry, drink beer, and chase moose around. I hope that's all you do with the moose in the backcountry. Chase
1: moose around. Really?
2: Says your show rocks. Almost rocks my face off. Heard that on your show, and I laughed so hard a little pee came out. Here's the good part. says, I want Dr. Scott to be my dentist. (laughs) But only if we can both drink beer. I'll even let him lie in the chair while I pull his teeth. Does he do house calls? I'll show you a hell of a time if you come to Alaska. Slur on, my drunk brother. (laughs) That's all good stuff. Poor uh, Dr. Scott isn't uh, even here today.
6: (laughs) Not mom again? Okay, good.
2: But luckily I got the Dr. Scott soundboard. So Cyber uh, Scott. Yeah, we'll put (laughs) on Cyber Scott the whole time. You bastard. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> Don't make right. me come over there and bitch laugh you yeah.
2: Anyway, uh, he wraps up the email saying he's pissed that he didn't get to listen while we were giving away a keg system He says we would have given him one on principle because he's been brewing on and off for 13 years and has always bottled wow. He says, dudes, I need a kegging system Please give another one away sometime soon Or anything else cool a homebrewer might want uh, there you A lot go. of bottling. Yeah, that is a 13 years of bottling. Man, I would have quit a long time ago. I'll tell you that. Um, no hate mail? No, nah, no hate mail. He ends it by saying, did I mention I'm drunk and it's only Tuesday yeah. night? Valentine's Day. <laughs> <That> a boy. <laughs> Way to celebrate that. I love you, honey. Did you have a nice Valentine's Day, John?
1: I don't really celebrate it,
5: actually.
2: No, you either? No. Yeah, we didn't either. Okay, good. <laughs> we didn't do anything. Dave, you?
5: I did have a nice Valentine's Day. Yeah? yeah.
2: Celebrate. With you. Are you married?
5: uh I have a partner? Okay. Front? Yeah.
2: Gotcha. And uh, you got you had a nice little celebration?
5: We did. We went out to dinner.
2: All right. Where'd yeah. you
5: go? Uh, we went to Fifth Floor in San Francisco. Ooh. What's that? Good you know the choice. place? It's nice, huh? Mhm. All right. What type of food? Uh Kind of uh, French California. Mm. No,
4: It's, it's one good. of the best in the city, actually, supposed to be. There's
5: it was delicious. No. We one.
4: can't afford, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> for a special occasion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a once-a-year one
2: right <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, Dr. Scott's actually, like I said, not with us. He's out on his anniversary deal. And the funny thing about that is his wife tells him, you know, it's our anniversary this Sunday. And the first thing he says is, so does that mean I can't do the show <laughs> that's dedication <laughs> yeah and he, she's like uh, no you can't jackass <laughs> and so they're uh, they're away for the weekend and doing some nice stuff although he said he's going to try to call oh which God. I told him he didn't have to do I was like man oh, it's your uh, it's there your there anniversary is. the phone's ringing now who knows that could be Doc right there already uh, so there you go uh, that's the feedback and no Doc today but like we said um, you Cyber know, Doc we'll make uh, Cyber Doc here all day
7: we'll get sucked into it blah
6: blah blah, blah and I'll sucked into it
2: i will just have him randomly jump in there. All right, a couple of good news stories we got for you today. Um, this is a funny one between a couple of the big guys, Miller Brewing Company and Anheuser-Busch. I uh, found this in the news today. Miller Brewing Company put its paint scheme where its mouth is Friday, challenging Budweiser to a bet for the 2006 Nextel Cup season, which is uh NASCAR, by the way, for those of you who don't watch NASCAR. And uh, what do they want to do? They said, uh, Tom Long, chief marketing officer to Miller, sent a, a letter to Anheuser-Busch offering to wager that Kurt Busch, driving the number two Dodge sponsored by Miller, will finish ahead of Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the number eight Budweiser Chevrolet in the point standings. The stakes... The loser would change his paint scheme to the winning brand's colors for one Nextel Cup points race That's cool. in 2007, which I think is really cool. It's funny, you know. Uh, Miller gave its rival until the Saturday, uh, sorry, till the start of Sunday's Daytona 500, which is today, to accept. Anheuser Busch had no official comment as of late Friday, but Earnhardt Jr., who drives the Anheuser Busch car, says this is a joke, right? I'm focused on the season and winning races, so I'm not interested in a stunt like this. I'm the bud guy, and this deal is something dreamed up by the guys in Milwaukee to create something out of nothing. It's publicity. What a tight
1: ass, though. Yeah, he is.
2: You know? Do the race. I mean, go take the bet.
1: <laughs> Drive a car, man.
2: I have to try to win. I will not have any fun. <laughs> so uh, Miller did not get their, their bet taken up on, which to me makes AB look like a couple of sissies. Or at least their driver, anyway. He's a sissy. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a sissy. All right, moving on in the news. This is an interesting story, that Guinness is releasing a beer that is a light version of their Guinness. Uh, light in alcohol, that is, not light in calories or anything else. Hmm. But Guinness is already light in alcohol, right? Like, it's a 4.2% beer, I think. It's right around, it says it in here, uh, we'll find out. But Guinness is start uh, is to start trialing a new low-alcohol version of Ireland's most famous beer, a mid-strength stout with an alcohol volume of just 2.8%. It must be like making it to sell in Utah or something.
1: Yeah, what's the point?
2: Yeah, it says a conventional pint of Guinness has an ABV of 4.2, but Guinness insists that the new (laughs) mid-strength, they call it, version will have the same distinctive taste, texture, and unmistakable look as a regular pint of the black stuff. (laughs) Guinness is spearheading the development of the new low-alcohol stout, which will be marketed in 80 Limerick pubs beginning in March for six months. If it goes down well, Guinness will assess the potential for a national rollout.
1: You know why they're doing that, right? Why? Because they consume so much beer in Ireland. (laughs) They need to lighten up up a little bit? Yeah. But, I mean, 4.2%, that's a low beer. If you ask me, right,
2: that's a that's a right in the bud range in all those, you know. that's a, like
1: Two or three beers, probably have a buzz. And maybe, maybe. Five or six. But it's a good. session beer. Yeah.
2: A- aside from, like, the consistency of it and how thick it is to drink, yeah. alcohol content-wise, I'm calling that session. What's the official definition of a session beer, uh, alcohol content you guys know? got
1: to be four or five or less.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. like right in the three to four and a half or something, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's a, so they're below session. It's a, they're below session. Well, their new one will be certainly below session. Uh, Anyway, I just thought that was an interesting thing. And finally, just a little news for the Canadians. Uh, Canadians are exporting much more beer to the United States than we are there. Uh, They're running a healthy trade surplus with the United States in beer, and it's getting bitter. (laughs) Statistics Canada says the suds surplus has expanded greatly in recent years, as Canadian beer makers have made significant headway in the American market. Canadians' uh, beer trade surplus... With the U.S. hit 265 million dollars in 2003, the most recent annual figures uh, that are available, which is a 43 million dollar increase from 1999, and that was after basically the uh, Canada-U.S. free trade uh, agreement was enacted. Um, so, but but they're not taking any uh, like we're not distributing anything back there. There's like hardly any growth. It says the increase in Canadian beer uh, Canadian beer exports have far exceeded the slight rise in American beer imported to Canada resulting in the beer trade surplus. Well, you tried it. What do you think of it? Canadian beer? Yeah. Uh, I like Canadian uh, craft brew, the ones that I had. I, I had a few good ones. Is that being exported there? I don't know. The okay. report didn't say. Uh, my guess is that most of this doesn't have to do with Canadian craft brewers, because they're small like our guys here, okay. and which is why our guys here don't uh, you know distribute too much to Canada. Um, the big guys out there, it's the same as our big guys. Sure. There's no difference. Sure. It's all the same kind of beer. You know, it's... Light, light and consistent that's basically what you got so uh dave did you bring us beer today unfortunately no oh that's
1: what i, I was sc- we're gonna <laughs> be dagger good.
2: we're going all paps and corona today the got traffic you. got me <laughs> i did it yeah. I got stuck in that it got me yesterday trying to get out there it's uh even weekends here traffic can get bad it's terrible Construction I was, I was on the bridge. And yeah. yeah, It's the construction. Gotcha. Uh, and we're keeping you from a nice celebration in Berkeley today, too, aren't we? You're supposed to be at the celebrator the thing? Celebrator
5: party. I might swing by there after this. a boy. Yeah. See, you'll Dedicated. still get a little buzz on
2: after you leave here. You'll be doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's the news today. I, I've left JP, I think, hanging on the phone for a while. Is that who's waiting for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Hey, JP, you still there? Hey, what's up, friend? <laughs> Sorry I left you on hold. was in the middle of the news, yeah, man. Yeah, buddy. Hey, you down there at the celebrator festival or what? Yes, sir. And uh, what's it looking like? A lot of people?
0: There, yeah, you know what, there are a lot of people, a lot of, uh, the, my most favorite thing in the world to to, cut, to do and watch and to come to these friggin' things is, is
2: white people over 40 dancing to jazz. Oh, that is fun and, in and, like, itself. blues and
0: crap, it's my favorite thing in the world, because it's like, no wonder black people hate white people, you know? <laughs> what?
2: They <laughs> <Just> do? can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that that was the case, but uh, I guess maybe... Yeah, this, they have this guy dancing in place, and he's just like like... Like scooting and baby steps backwards, and he's dancing, and it's the most annoying thing I've ever seen. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. Now that's actually giving a description of himself, yeah, I'm sure, him <laughs> and his buddies. So, what is this <laughs> uh, fest? Me. What's the festival you're at exactly? It's a uh, a birthday party it's, for Celebrator.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, for the Celebrator Beer News. Um, it's their 18th year, 18th anniversary, and it it's at the Trumer Brewery. Okay. And uh, in Berkeley, and it's uh it's pretty cool, dude. There's like I don't know, 15. Fifteen uh, breweries here, and it's thirty-five bucks to get in, and then it's all you can drink.
3: Oh. And
2: they
0: give you like, half pint, half pint, little uh, half pint tasters.
2: That's not bad. And
0: free food, and it's dude, it's it's a great deal.
2: Yeah, that is good, and it's not invitation only, huh?
0: No, no, it's it's uh, open to the public.
2: Wow, that's how you got it's happening it
0: right now. And uh, there's a bunch of uh, a bunch of people, like Christians here from Triple Rock, and I saw Vinny and. And uh, a bunch of people are here, so it's it's a lot of fun,
2: dude. All right, that sounds good. And what's uh, the best beer you've tried there so far? The Trumer Pills?
0: Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, the best beer I think would probably you know I'm actually sipping on the Scared that uh, IPA that they got distributing right now, and it's a uh, it's not
2: that bad. Is that right? We'll say that. That's a hefty I IPA. That. Have you had that, John? I've never tried it. No, uh, Dave, you haven't it? tried it yet. No, it's a real hefty one, and uh, you know it's a, like a thick body to it, and and a hell of a lot of hops in that IPA mm-hmm. too. I'd call. Would you call it a double IPA, JP? Uh, no. No, I would. I think no. it's strong enough to be. It's pretty bitter. Yeah,
0: it, it's pretty. It does have a nice malt quality to it. Um,
2: Are you having it on tap? It's good. What's that? You having it on tap or in a bottle?
0: In a bottle, okay. so maybe it's uh, maybe it's a little it's a little better on the uh, on tap. But uh, yeah, it's cool, and uh, you
2: know, uh, I'd be curious. So, yeah,
0: just hanging out in Berkeley, my friend.
2: Very nice. Uh, I'd be curious if they, you know, how they do the pale ale different in a bottle than they do on tap. Sure I wonder if that's all their beers. If they do the same with the IPA, I had it on tap.
1: is when I had it. Got to get them in here.
2: Yeah, gotta ask them about yeah. it.
0: You know, it's uh yeah, bottles are usually different for some reason. You know, beer yeah. in a bottle they always taste different than beer on tap for yeah.
2: some reason. Absolutely. Hey, you got Chris Black there too? Have you seen him?
0: Uh, yeah, I have seen him. I met him, I'm actually watching him go into a, a porta potty, as a matter of
2: fact. Oh, that's great. Alright, hey, we're gonna take a break and uh and drop you off the line. Do me a favor, have Chris call yes, us. Yes, sir. Tell him tell him in his his time has come. He needs to help me do the Barley Wine Fest report.
0: I will. I, I will do that, and I will, I will finish getting drunk for you
2: guys. I appreciate it, and then uh, maybe you can call back and be our official drunk of the week. Uh, what time? Because <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you can remember to do it, that's probably right about the right time.
3: <laughs> Fucking perfect. <laughs> All, All right, right
2: thanks. Thanks, JP. Hey, party on. All right. Party on. JP calling from the Celebrator uh, Festival. I thought it was invite only. I was all depressed that we didn't get you invited, John. Were,
4: yeah, you really were depressed.
2: I kept like, th- I, <laughs> I kept, kept
1: on the front door at B3. <laughs> oh, it kept, was? He
4: kept talking to me about it. Oh, I kept Such a great it. industry festival <laughs> and you're not there. And <laughs> yeah. I said, well, but it's our first year. You know, I tried to
2: like yeah.
4: make him happy again. Well, but still. Because yeah,
2: Danielle's <laughs> was like, how come you guys aren't going to that? I like, like, ah, we're not invited. <laughs> did, did you call or anything? No, I didn't, I didn't ask. Actually, I said, how another.
4: come I am not going? All oh, right.
2: I'm sure you would have been invited. But I guess it wasn't an invite thing anyway. All right, we're going to take a, a quick break, uh, about three minutes. We'll be right back. We're here with Dave McLean from Magnolia Brew Pub, and uh, we're going to talk all about cast-conditioned ales when we get back. The Brewing Network, saving your life one beer at a time. All
1: right, all right, all right.
2: Gucci forced me to play this intro for him today. This one here? Yeah. Swan here. He said, Make sure you play the Oi Oi intro during the show today. He's passed out by now.
4: He's all angry right now in the chat room.
2: I know, because he's drinking bourbon and whiskey all day. I told him in the chat room this morning during the Blue Show, I was like, you you got angry whiskey voice going on right now, and I can't even hear you. You're typing it. (laughs) And uh, so I'm sure he is angry. What's he yelling about over there?
4: About the Tenacious
2: D song you just played. (laughs) And now
4: he's saying, oi, 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 (laughs) oi.
2: Hey, Chris, are you there, buddy? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Chris Black from Falling Rock Tap House in Denver, Colorado is joining us to uh, help me do a little segment on barley wine. Did you have a good time yesterday?
3: I had a ball yesterday.
2: Are you having a good time today?
7: I'm doing pretty darn good today. I'm hanging out here at the Celebrator uh, Beer News Party. I got here a few minutes ago, had a couple of beers, had a little uh, something to notch on.
2: Very nice. And did you wake up today with a barley wine hangover, or did that German food do you right?
7: Yeah, that sort did me right, man. That was some good padding. That really kind of coated the whole system, made it all work out a whole lot better.
2: Yeah. Uh, we went to uh, a restaurant in the city called Soup and Cookie, which is, uh, Daniela, I, am I allowed to use this quote, Daniela? No. <laughs> Come on, it's a good one. <laughs> Daniela said it's the best German food she's ever had. Like in Germany and out of Germany. Well,
4: that must that have been my homesickness and after a year, the first time, German food and stuff. But it's pretty damn good, the food there.
2: <laughs> it is. It's good. Yeah, they food. do a good job there. Yeah, that that was
4: excellent. And they have some nice beer, on tap as yeah, well.
2: Tons of good. We were drinking a nice Kolsch last night. Uh, oh, that was hitting the
7: spot after all the barley wines. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: We were drinking oil all day, and then we hit the <laughs> Kolsch, and that was just perfect. <laughs> Perfect'
7: looking like an Alka-Seltzer after having meal, you
2: know <laughs> yeah, it's like the same thing, you're right, you're right, <laughs> all right, so uh what we're talking about here, uh Chris, and you folks at home, the Tornado, which is just a great uh a pub in in San Francisco, it's on Haight Street, uh, right along with Magnolia, on Haight Street also. Um, they do this great barley wine festival every year, and they just get tons of entries. I think that this year there were fifty different barley wines. Wow on on tap all of them on tap on tap yeah 50 all different ones all at the same time all at the same I mean unbelievable amount of barley wine on tap
1: where they store it I,
2: you know what I talked to the guy who does it <laughs> he says that they have a tough time for one they've got two different walk-ins that are just full and he said it's a real pain in the arse mm. uh, they even have a room that's usually like a storage room that once a year come the barley wine fest they gotta clear it out just to make room for people in the storage room wow <laughs> and then and uh, kegs all over, and it's full. And but oh, yeah. it's—I uh, mean, can you imagine fifty barley wines on tap? What a festival! So
3: yeah, I mean,
7: it's—it's it, nuts. I've, this is like the fourth time I've done it, and it's just been a lot of fun. I mean, it, for him to like all of a sudden clear out all of his taps,
2: yeah, yeah, and
7: switch them over to one thing. It's just off the
2: hook. It is. And uh, just a lot of work. But people love it. I mean, the place was packed yesterday, and it goes on all week. So if you are in the Bay Area, you can still make it. It wasn't only yesterday. It goes on all week long. That was just opening day. Um, So here's what I'd like to do, Chris. I'm going to go ahead and mention a few of the ones that I liked. Uh, Uh You you can chime in if you happen to have tasted those also. And uh, feel free to mention any of the ones that you enjoyed while you were there, too. So, Absolutely. Okay. Uh, of course, right off the top, I'm going to mention Magnolias because I did try yours while I was there, Dave. And uh, I'm mentioning it because just as good as the beer was, the name is even. better.
4: Oh, the name is great.
2: <laughs> uh, Magnolias uh, barley wine is called Old Thunder Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> and oh man, what a good one this was. And uh, I just looked at it, and I think even before I saw Magnolia, Dave, I saw Old Thunder Pussy, and I said, "Well, we got to order that one." I don't. <laughs> I'm just a sick bastard like that. And I said, "That's the one." We (laughs) We gotta add. It stands out. (laughs) Uh,
5: What's that? Eleven percent? It's eleven point nine this year. Is it really? Just about. Almost twelve percent.
4: How long has it been aged?
5: This was made in September. Mm, Okay.
4: Wow, a half a year. Not too
2: long. All right. Here's a couple of things I wrote down about this one. Um, A really strong phenolic flavor going in there. Lots of phenols in this one, and and obviously at eleven. Right. And at eleven point nine percent, I guess that's it's going to happen. But at the same time, it has such a, it has a real fruity, I think, malt background that makes it okay. You know, I don't want a pint of it. I I ordered the small glass of that one, and I think that's because of the phenols I wouldn't want a pint. But in the small glass, it was real nice. And now tell me if I'm wrong about this, because I want your impression too. The fruitiness I got was kind of a grape, like a grape juice fruitiness almost. What do you think? Am I way off with that? I don't
5: think you're that far off. No? I mean, I get kind of a raisiny quality,
2: raisin grape. Yeah, Uh, definitely a little raisin in there, too. In fact, quite a few of the barley ones.
7: That was going to be my comment. It was going to be kind of a little bit of raisiny. It was really nice.
2: Okay. Yeah, that was a good one, and selling a lot of it. A lot of people around me were having that one, too. Um, Okay, Daniela, let's do this one, because you love this one. Uh, Russian River. They had old gobbly gooch there, or gobbly gotch. I don't know which one it is. Gibbly Gotch. Gibbly Gotch. There you go. Thanks very much. And that one was listed at ten percent. And uh, the the interesting thing about this one is that it tasted like olives.
4: Smelled and tasted like olives so strongly. Yeah.
2: Mm. What do you think of that one, Chris? I don't know,
7: like I I always love Vinnie's beers and everything like that. And so I'm sitting here and and uh, I really like his beers and uh, very inventive, very creative.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've never tasted a beer that have o- that had olive flavors in it before. Mm. And and that one, yeah, Danielle's right. You could really smell it, just the aroma, even. And that was your favorite of the day, right, Danielle? That
4: was my favorite of the day.
2: She
1: finished that one. I wonder what contributes <laughs> to that flavor. You know, me I too. Don't know. But don't
4: it was really if you if you would open a can of olives, yeah. it was really a, a very very intense.
1: Smell It's
2: a good question. He was there, but I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But thats I, I don't know what would add that olive flavor. I Maybe? wonder if
1: a long, long boil, like a two-hour boil, just caramelize the crap out of your beer, you know? Mm. No? It, I don't know. Tweaks with the sugars. I don't
2: know. It was good, though. It, that was one of the most distinctive flavors of the day. There was another one there that was a pumpkin barley wine, mm. and that was the other one with a real distinctive flavor. I had that. Did you have What would you think of that one? I liked that a lot. A lot of yeah. people were raving about that one. and And the deal was because you could taste the pumpkin, but it wasn't overbearing like a pumpkin ale.
5: It was subtle. Yeah. yeah.
2: In fact, yeah. I gave it to a couple of people who didn't know what it was. I said, tell me. I knew because I read it off the stupid list. Uh, but I handed it to somebody. I said, tell me what you taste in this. And of of three people that were right there, nobody could name pumpkin. Huh. Not until after I said, it's pumpkin. Mm-hmm. And then you can go back and you can go, oh, yeah. Is it yeah. An
1: aroma or a flavor? Uh, f-
2: uh, definitely flavor. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So that was an interesting one. Now, uh, Chris, have you ever had the Anchor uh, Old Foghorn?
7: Well, that's been one of my standard taps since the day I opened the bar nine years ago.
2: Gotcha. Okay, this
7: was. We a, we always have that one. It's yummy.
2: It is a yummy one, and Anchor makes good beer anyway. But yes. this uh, this barley one was real nice. Here's what I thought was I, interesting. I think
7: this batch was just spectacular too.
2: Yeah, it was a good batch, mm. but it has one thing going on with it that uh, and maybe uh, it's it's just kind of the 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 normal for the old foghorn but it has such a strong caramel uh backbone really malty that it almost uh-huh. tastes like an extract beer it almost tastes like they use extract instead of regular malt i'm sure they don't but that's really it was so caramelly that that's mm-hmm. the, what i got out of it a lot of crystal malt probably yeah, yeah.
7: well also okay. they they use a really long boil time on on their beers in general too
2: that's what I was thinking, because they have the yeah. caramelization of the wort going on, and that must be what that extract flavor is mm-hmm. coming from.
7: You I, mean, I believe uh, I was talking with Bruce Joseph there, and he would say it was about a two-and-a-half or so
1: hour boil. Wow. That's a lot of evaporation.
2: Now, do you normally boil a barley wine longer anyway, or, or you know, like for you, for example, Dave, or, or is it just a normal brew process?
5: We give it a long boil. You do? Yeah. Um, both for the caramelization of sugar and just to sometimes to get the gravity that we need to. Oh, okay. Because we're yeah. you know, running so much grain through there, and some, you know it's just sure. You kind of need to. I think this one had a three-hour boil. Holy oh, smoke! <laughs> really? <laughs> so, okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Uh,
2: Rogue, just real short. Oh, Rogue's, Rogue's Old Crustacean. Yeah. Old favorite. Everybody loves it. Um, real strong and bitter. And, and, I'm not, and that's not a bad thing. That's. But those are the main things about that beer, I think. It just was real strong and real bitter. But yeah, a good beer. Adds
1: a lot of hops. I'm trying to
7: remember that. what year was the Old Crusty this year.
2: Yeah, I don't remember. And it's not on the list here either.
7: Yeah, I didn't say it on the... Uh, I have a keg on right now at the bar that's a 2003, and it still was outrageously hoppy.
2: Really? Yeah, this one, 120 IBUs, it says. Yeah, yeah that's to start with. Yeah. And uh, 26 Play-Doh. So I don't know what that is for ABV. Uh, point, yeah. In the 9% range? It's
1: over 1. So, is it? Okay. Yeah. All right, uh-huh, so in uh-huh. the 10
2: 10. Okay, 10%. right around 10%. right. Uh, okay, here's one that was really interesting. Um, Half Moon Bay, small brew pub out there, Half Moon Bay Brewery, uh, they had one called Moonglow. Did you have this one, Chris?
7: No, that was one of the few that I didn't, I, uh, didn't get to. All
2: right, Moonglow was real interesting hmm. because it had a ton of residual sugar left. When you drank this one, you could actually still feel sugar in your mouth, kind of like cotton candy. And Daniela thought it even tasted like cotton candy when we had that one. You liked it though, because it was real sweet.
4: It was real sweet, yeah. Yeah. But it's also like hangover beer.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it tasted (laughs) like a hangover waiting to happen. (laughs) Because the more sugar, right, the more of your hangovers could be. And it just real. I I I don't know if he intended to not ferment it out or or what the deal was, or couldn't. Maybe it started with such a high gravity, right? Mm But you really could taste the sugars left in it. More than just sweet, you could taste the sugar. It's hard to drink a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, that's about it. Oh, I had El Toro Yo. Uh, you tried El, uh, how was it? Uh, that, that was nice. Yeah, that one was real nice. Uh, cool. That one, I would say, is borderline barley wine triple IPA kind okay, of a beer. Hoppy,
1: too, then. Hoppy.
2: It, but it was a real yeah. smooth hop, hop character and well-balanced. Do you have that one, Chris?
7: Yeah, that was a really tasty one.
3: Yeah,
2: I He's like it. a good it. brewer.
7: Yeah, the only one I like, I, I was really glad to see that uh, the guys up in uh, Anchorage at Midnight Sun uh, won the contest with what I would consider to be a pretty balanced barley wine.
2: Which one was that? Do you remember?
7: The, the Midnight Sun one? Uh, I'm trying to remember the name that they called it. Yeah, uh, that's what
2: I was looking at, too. I don't yeah, that, that
7: one first prize, I, I, I thought... That was one of the nicest beers that I had, but there's no way it's going
2: to win. Oh, right, right.
7: Because usually the winners tend to be a little bit hoppier than that, but this, and this one was just so balanced.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, Arctic Devil, that's what it was called. Yeah, that was it. Uh, 10% ABV. It's been aged for a year and also in oak, so it had a strong mm-hmm. oak flavor to it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have that one, though, uh, but that's the one that won, huh, Chris?
3: Yeah,
7: that's the one that won first place, and it was it was pretty mind-blowing.
2: How about second place? you remember? Ooh. I think that was Big Sky. Gosh. Oh, was that the Big Sky one? I think so. I think I had that one. Yeah. That, that was nice. Yeah, it was
7: the one out of Montana.
2: Yeah, that's right. The, and that one was real nice. I had that one also. All right. Mm-hmm. I want to end by mentioning two beers that weren't on tap. They're just on the normal uh, Toronado like beer list. Which, by the way, they have over. They have like ninety something brands of beer in a bottle that you can get there on any given day. Right. Yeah. So. I was hanging out with a couple of real nice guys. They're always good to us. Sean from 21st Amendment was there. Uh, I was hanging out with uh, some people from Stone, and they were just being real cool to us and uh, bought some bottles there that weren't on the menu. Uh, a J.W. Lee. Do you know this beer, Dave, I'm talking about? It's, it's a straight-up uh, English do. barley wine, right? Like yeah, traditional. Awesome. I had a few of those yesterday as well. You did? Yeah. All right. This vintage was 1989. That these guys bought we're talking like a fifteen dollar uh twelve ounce bottle of beer here, and it was hands down the best barley wine I've ever had you know and now it's it's I think it's important to note that uh American barley wine and traditional English barley wine mm-hmm. are almost two different styles of beer, if you ask me i mean they're obviously in the same genre and and you go for the same thing, but ours are just very different here, and for one. Typically, you're not going to find a barley wine here that's aged for that long. Uh, That hasn't been a popular style for us for too long, like it has been in England. You may find some. Um... Uh, but the other thing is, then, uh, especially on the West Coast, uh, we hop the shit out of our barley wines, just like we do everything <laughs> absolutely. else. Absolutely, <laughs> and God in, bless them. Yeah, absolutely. And in the English styles, you really don't get a hop flavor. It's you know, you're getting a little Kent Goldings and a heck of a lot of malt. All malt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now this one from '89, I think, obviously because of its age, had a real musty, kind of a basement flavor to it, right? Which sounds like a terrible thing to say about a beer. Was it corked? No, it was in a bottle it was in a bottle, okay, but it was great, wow, I mean it just t- it was so complex that i don 't even really know where to begin to tell you what it tasted like other than than that musty and a and a sweet flavor with some Kent Goldings. Mm. So I like, just,
7: like you get uh, kind of like a reverse for Oh God,
2: we got the, good. We got the train going by. Was <laughs> like, that part train going by you there? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Chris just got run over in Berkeley, folks. Thanks for the report. <laughs> okay, okay,
7: there it is. So it's gone now. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> so you know this. Oh, ha- yeah.
7: What I was going to say is I've had some uh, casts of that.
2: Oh, okay. Because
7: once a year, they'll send over wooden casts of the JWEs.
2: Oh, man, that would be great. That
7: they've primed the uh, wood with various things like port or sherry or yes. Lagavulin and scotch or things like that.
2: That is great. Yeah, I'm have some and they're of those just, those just like, like drinking too. honey oh, yeah?
7: with all these other notes on them. Uh,
2: yeah, I, and uh, a strong raisin one in that one, too, the one I was drinking. Oh, Get yeah, a real please. raisiny
5: flavor there. You're going to have some
2: uh-huh. and magnolia, too?
5: Yeah, one of each. they got the three, the port, uh, or sherry, I guess, and there's a whiskey barrel one, and oh. I'm not sure what the third one is. Do you know when that's going to be happening? I think um, Chris might know, too. We're probably getting something from the same shipment they, okay. sometime in, in early March, I believe. All right. Is that yeah, when you usually
7: get... Usually around the 1st of March.
2: Okay. How many casks do you guys keep at Falling Rock, Chris?
7: Uh, we usually get about one a
2: year. Okay. and But how many cascales on tap at any given time? Oh, we have two. Two. Okay. Very nice. Alright, and then another one, just a brief mention, also out of a bottle, another straight English traditional, was Hardy's, Hardy's Ale, I got oh. out of them. And that was a 1996 vintage. Daniela, you tasted oh, that's that a good one. Beer. Yeah. Was that, that one. the first or the second one we tried? That was the first one. Oh, okay. Great, great beer. And again, with the same, it was just so complex. I, and I'll tell you what, this is how complex that beer was for me. Y'all know that I, I don't have the greatest palate on the planet. I didn't even start writing notes. I didn't mm-hmm. write any notes. I just wrote the name of the thing down in the can't vintage. can't describe it. I wrote down the word <laughs> wow, <laughs> and uh, that's it. <laughs> that's all I wrote down about this beer. Uh, if you can ever get yourself a hold of, of any of these bottles, and especially old ones like that, do it. That's J.W. Lee. That was the first one, and Hardy's Ale. Mm-hmm. So just awesome. Yeah, that was some terrific stuff. Yeah, they're good. Now, do you guys keep bottles as well out there at Falling Rock?
7: Oh, absolutely. We have about 130 to 150 bottles. a boy. And this year, I started uh, taking all those things that I've been saving and putting down in the cellar, because we have those basement things in Colorado. Ah, uh,
3: yes. <laughs> and uh, I started Weird.
7: making them available. Before that, it was just, you know, my access only, and now we've kind of started bringing them up and let people actually purchase them. We have a vintage list, what I call is the off-the-beer-menu beer-menu.
2: Nice. I I think every bar should have an off-the-beer menu, beer menu. Well, I
7: mean, you know, you go to a swanky white tablecloth restaurant, they have the the off-the-wine-list, wine-list. That's right.
2: You know, know, that's absolutely right. That's what a lot of these guys, I think Dave included, uh, Vinny, uh, so what they're trying to do with the beer biz is kind of, you know, comparing it to the same thing. I mean, some people would sit and listen to the show and laugh at us for talking about a vintage of a beer, but in a barley wine in particular... No way. It keeps it right alive. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. for microbrews. Yeah,
5: absolutely. Well
7: Yeah, well the, the neat thing is when you have I mean, when you have a light lager or something like that, like the industrial lagers, yeah. you know, when you get oxidation it, it it manifests itself as like cardboard flavors and it's really not a pleasant thing. Right. But yeah. when you have like really high residual sugars and really high alcohols, it starts tasting like things like raisins, dried fruit.
8: Uh, Sherrys, those kind of characteristics come out through
1: like a wine, yeah and th- and the way
2: that it can change is unbelievable. in fact, w- uh, you know, I was standing there with someone tasting um this hardy 's right, and it was a ninety 90- it was a ninety six okay, and he was talking to me about how he had had a ninety five the day before, and they were two completely different beers, hmm. you know, same yeah. brand, same style, same everything. It was just one year later, and he said that the ninety five was completely different than the ninety six yeah you know, and uh, hey, that's a good point that you make, Chris. It has a lot to do with all that gravity and the way the sugars can stick around and change things mm-hmm. in there, you know. And like I said, that musty flavor, which sounds like a terrible thing to say about a beer, was awesome. Right. It was so good. Sure, yeah, you know, good. It was great. Well, Chris, I appreciate you helping us out with that.
7: Absolutely. I'm going to go back to drinking beer now.
2: Yeah, that a boy. We made you work long enough. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a good time down there.
7: All right. Great meeting you. Y'all have a great night.
2: All right. You too. Thanks <laughs> for the call.
9: Bye right,
2: bye. There you go, Chris Black from Falling Rock in Denver. And uh, like I said, uh, the word is anybody who's ever been to the GABF knows all about uh, Falling Rock. I don't, other than talking to Chris about it. So hopefully, uh, I don't know if this year, next year, whenever we make it, we'll be hanging out there too. It's a lot of beer on tap. He's got too. Mm-hmm. How many beers altogether for you guys, Dave, uh, that you have on tap, including your cask conditioned ales?
5: We have twelve regular beers and then five cask beers. Okay.
2: That's a, see, that's a lot of beer, too. And, and how big is your kegerator that you're keeping all those things in, then?
5: That's a big room. Down, It's half the basement. Is it really? The pub, yeah. And, then the and other... there's a separate cellar for the cask at, at a different temperature, at cellar temperature.
2: Oh, okay. And is that uh, completely unrefrigerated? It's just cellar temp? No, it's it's slightly cooled. It's okay. cooled
5: to about 55 degrees.
2: Gotcha. And then the other half of the basement is your brewery, huh? The other half's the brewery. Gotcha. And a tiny office. Yeah, that's a tight space. You must have down there.
5: It is. You know, there's a lot of room. It's just there are very low ceilings. Okay. You gotta duck a lot. Yeah. A lot. I, I, yeah. I,
2: imagine me on the tour down there. I'm <laughs> to a ball valve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm crawling on my knees if I ever check that out. Uh, I wanted to go look at the brewery yesterday, actually, but then Jennifer said, "Yeah, I think think Dave's gone, so I'll do it another time." But
5: uh, yeah, you should definitely come by.
2: And now your building—let's uh, just get into this briefly. We're going to take a break, but uh, what is it? it? Was built in like 1903.
5: 1903. So it survived the first quake in '06. Wow. Um, which a lot of the buildings, that neighborhood's on pretty stable ground, so that's not okay. saying anything too special. But it's sure—it's one of the older buildings in the city. Okay. And, and it's been
2: converted several times.
5: Yeah, most of its life it was a pharmacy on the ground floor where we are. Okay. Um, And a lot of the woodwork that you see behind the bar is the original pharmacy, uh, the drawers where they kept the medicine. Oh, great. Um, So we try to preserve as much of that. The tile floor is also uh, from the pharmacy. Okay. And then it's, you know, from that point on it was a series of cafes and restaurants, some more famous than others.
2: Okay. And my guess is, especially given the age and you talking about the low basement, you must have had to do a significant amount of refurb down in that basement
5: to get it. We did. I had several equipment manufacturers come in and shake their heads and say, you can't put our system in this basement. Really? And, you know, it was really a... truly was shoehorned in you know we dug out portions of the basement lowered the floor okay um had to pour new footings we had to at one point we had the whole building floating on floor jacks oh is that right crossing our fingers that there'd be no earthquake yeah absolutely how how many days did that go on that was about three weeks or so oh Oh, man yeah you guys are praying (laughs) yeah so there was a lot of digging and moving beam raising beams up into the joy space and it was quite a, a challenge to try to fit a brewery into that space now
2: why did you pick
5: that space it's just a great location. It's a it was a you know it's a cool building. The the interior of the of the pub itself is just fantastic with the wood and the tile. It's just a great old San Francisco space. Gotcha. Um, it's a you know Hay Street's a a happening street with a lot of pedestrian traffic and. Okay. A, you know I live in the neighborhood. And I, you know, part of the model from day one was you know build the kind of place you'd like to hang out in. That's
2: a that's a, that's a great, great motto right there. there. Yeah. Yeah. I wish we had followed that with the studio. <laughs> We're working on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. And it, it, it just—you're it, right about Hate Street in general. The whole area is a good area. Um, in reading the history on your website, which, by the way, you can go to MagnoliaPub.com. I got that right. Mm-hmm. Go to MagnoliaPub.com. Uh, I, are, are you the web guy, the designer, and puts that stuff up there? I am. Okay. Mostly. You've done a great job. This website so. is just cool. Uh, it, it's got uh, a little bit of everything. Tons of information about beer. Lots of art at the same time really kind of embraces the, the art of beer and the the culture of Haight-Ashbury is in there and, and just the whole thing. And you get a little bit of everything on the website. And I really like that when you're talking about your beers on the website, you really go into detail. You don't treat The average user, uh, like they're an idiot and they don't want to know that stuff. It really appears to me that you treat everybody like they want to know the details, and that's what you give. Right down to, and we'll talk about it when we start talking about your beers. Dave goes into, like, his grain bed, and, and, like, what the grains they like to use compared to other grains as a base malt, and, and the whole thing. And this is just on, like, the beer description, and, That's great. you know, it, and, and I really like that. I just thought it was real cool. So check Thanks. out MagnoliaPub.com. Um, one of the things I found interesting, and you can go look up, at uh, this story, but I thought maybe you'd just briefly mention it. Uh, you want to tell us how old Thunder Pussy got its name?
5: Uh, it, there's a woman named Magnolia Thunder Pussy. Okay. And she is probably one of the more famous tenants of the space that we occupy. Gotcha. Um, she was a dancer over in North Beach in the 50s, I believe, and that was her stage name. Okay. And then she got out of that business and moved over to the Haight and opened a cafe in our spot. Gotcha. And she kept the name. She called it Magnolia Thunder Pussies. Nice. And, <laughs> um, it was a very brief period of time. It was only about three years in the late 60s into 70 or 71. Okay. Um, but... The, you know, the vast majority of the people that come in that remember parts of the history of, of that building and the neighborhood, they tend to recollect her the most, and they come in and say, I remember when it was Magnolia Thunder Pussies. And, yeah, yeah. You know, they all have stories to tell. Um, she was she was known for making these erotic-shaped desserts. That's and, awesome. And she delivered around the neighborhood. So you always hear anecdotes and stories of people that were 16, 18, living in a flat with 10 other people, and right. three in the morning got a bunch of Magnolia's erotic desserts delivered to their house. The and, That's you know.
2: great, especially because it's... Getting delivered by Thunder Pussy
5: herself. I think that's
2: brilliant. I would have ordered a couple extra desserts myself. I'm not even hungry.
5: That's great. She was a personality. I didn't get to meet her. She passed away right as we were under construction. I was just sort of Uh, collecting the stories and finding out about her. Okay. uh, But she... Uh, sounded like she was just a a larger than life character in the neighborhood, and, and gotcha. it seemed like you know the the biggest beer we made should you know should be the tribute to her, right, right, and hence the old Thunder Pussy, and
2: and and then also the name of the of the place itself you took from her, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's great. That's really cool. You, so you weren't a frequenter of uh, Magnolia Thunder Pussy desserts yourself? No, I was not. Yeah. Okay. I never
5: got to enjoy them. I have an old menu hanging in the office, and they look interesting. <laughs> <laughs> is it a picture menu? It's not a picture menu. Oh, okay. Because no, I did you,
2: you Go to magnoliapub.com. You can read about it. There's even some short descriptions about some of our most popular desserts there. Uh, I think that's and, that's... and now that's the other part that I like about how detailed you are, is that you really just give a, a long history of this space in general. You're really into the whole you know culture of where you're at, and I think that's important and part of being a craft brewery in a local region kind of embracing
5: where you're at you know? yeah i agree i think it's good to put it all out there and and, and show people continuity yeah you, you do really just a just a good job of it Thanks. so uh dave mclean from
2: magnolia breweries with us today and when we come back if it's okay with dave we're going to start talking about cask conditioned ales um, and how we, can, how we can do it at home, how you do it there. Uh, already got some questions in from people. Join us in the chat room. You can also call 888-401-BEER. If you have any questions for Dave about his beer or about English casks, uh, obviously send them in, and we'll get them right through. It's the Brewing Network. We'll be right back. You're listening to three guys...
4: Excuse me, what
10: about me?
2: Uh, sorry. You're listening to three guys and one girl. Use a radio show as an excuse to drink more beer. The Brewcasters. On the Brewing Network. All right, we're back with Dave McLean from Magnolia Brew Pub in San Francisco. Magnolia Pub and Brewery, to be exact, uh, which is just a real cool place there. And we're going to start talking about cask-conditioned ales in uh, just a couple minutes. But we got our tasting to do first, which I forgot to mention before the break. And uh, we thought it would be fitting getting Dave in here uh, to do Fuller's ESB this week, which uh, is a traditional English-style cask ale, although we're getting out of the bottle, obviously. Mm -hmm. But uh, thought we'd do that as a nice tasting to uh, figure out what's doing, and uh, Dave, a bit of an expert, might
1: be able to help us out. John, you're already tasting it. What you got going on over there? Well, this is a complex beer. Um, in the nose, I get a like a sweet caramel mm-hmm. from a crystal, I believe, and a kind of a hint of a biscuit, like a almost like toast. Yeah. And just in the
2: aroma that is.
1: Yeah, and then there's just like a a little hint of an alcohol, like just a and not like alcohol aroma going on yeah okay um as far as in the flavor i get a raisin i get a lot of raisin just a fruity raisin going on
2: yeah it's that's the thing too is that i think it's a it's not just a raisin it's
1: definitely a fruity raisin that's in there too and there's a subtle spice edge to it almost a hint from a, i think it's maybe the hop character or something yeah but Dave, what do you get out of the beer there any any of those things that he's mentioning
5: there? yeah, I definitely get the caramel caramel sweetness um unfortunately, it's tinged a little bit with a little cardboard, a little bit of a oxidized and that that's the case with something imported that's kind of a low gravity beer, yeah, I would um, almost say a lot of cardboard even <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was being kind, I guess yeah <laughs> I appreciate that, but um <laughs> And that's one of the you know maddening things about something like an ESB or or a best bitter special bitter as a style it's yeah. very hard for us here in America to try it and its the way it's meant to be right mm-hmm. and the, you know this this beer kind of demonstrates that right um it's you know this is a a beer that i've had on cask in england and totally and different it, it's totally different and it's it's it can be one of those sort of you know the the perfect pint experiences at the right pub on the right day with the right cask and mm-hmm. is that right and so you know it's definitely up there it's in the it's definitely in the the upper echelon of English bitters. Oh, okay, um, but you know you're not getting all of that in this case because you, there's definitely a cardboard quality and okay. a little bit of you know the hop aroma is not quite as present as it should be. Yeah, but it's there and there you know there's a there's still a a bold malt profile that does have some kind of bready biscuity quality to it, like you said. I think that malt is in, and particularly in the
2: aroma is such a strong malt, although as an ESB should be, uh, the hop profile is almost non-existent in the aroma. You do taste it a little, and I wonder if that's the spice you're tasting, John, or yeah. if that's something else. What do you think, Dave? I've,
1: I think it's a spice person myself, or the, from the hop character.
5: Yeah, that's what I mean. There's the spiciest yeah. of the hop. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it could be the, a little bit of the fermentation flavor, too. Okay. You know, some, of the, some of the byproducts of fermentation. Just the yeast there. Yeah. Now,
2: temperature-wise, how you're drinking it here... Uh, what's the difference between the temperature we've got it,
1: which is not quite refrigeration temperature? We've had it out a little bit. Uh, well, well you you buy it from beverages and more. It's hard to find. Yeah, and it's out in room temperature. That's it's, how they yeah, store it there. Okay, 55, 60 in that room there. Is this close to how you'd have it in in England temperature-wise, or is it still
2: too cold?
5: No, I think this is in the ballpark. It's right You here. know, you see the the better pubs are able to keep their beer there in the mid 50s. Okay. Um, and this this tastes about like that at okay. this point for however long it's been sitting out. Having it. Spend an extended period on a shelf at seventy degree room isn't mm. the best thing to happen to it. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was looking at all these beers. And I'm like,
1: oh my god, these are gonna be gone in two weeks. You yeah. Know? Well, <laughs>
2: as we know, it's the nature of keeping that much beer in stock for that store. And That's true. we've had problems with them before. But I, I, it's we've had this discussion before with you know Brian Hunt uh, from Moonlight and things, mm-hmm. and Dan Gordon, and and Dan Gordon. You know, I, I would hate to say uh, I would hate it if we couldn't get our hands on these kinds of beers. Right. On the other hand, if it's not authentic, it's almost you know there, you could make the argument that it's better that you don't get your hands Absolutely. on it.
4: Absolutely. And as Dan just said, it's such a di- different experience if you have it in England or if you have the German beers in German or maybe some Belgian brands in Belgium. It yeah. really can really manipulate and even ruin the taste of the beer. And you think, well, that's a crappy brewery, but it's yeah. not.
5: Yeah, I think some of the Belgian beers travel really well. Yeah, they do the, the higher alcohol and bottle condition, the, There's some oxygen scavenging yeast in there that's possibly going to mm. mitigate some of the mm. the negative effects. Gotcha. Um, it's usually where it shows up, where the, the harsh travel conditions show up the most, is something that like an ESB or maybe a mm. you know German Pilsner that's in the four or five percent range. Sure. Mm. Do you think a fermentation could still go on in a bottle like this as it's traveled? I doubt there's any. Residual sugar left that's fermentable. Okay. In this one, yeah.
1: I, I just pick up hot alcohol a little bit. Just, just yeah. kind of. A yeah,
2: there's a little bit there. You know. I'm th- I'm thinking palate wise, the in- the I I think almost the entire flavor of the beer is on the back of my tongue, almost up like the back to the middle. There's really not a lot on the tip, uh, not a lot on the sides. It's a really kind of a focal uh, flavor. You know, it's uh, nothing standing out. I guess is what I mean on any particular part. What do you think, John? Where are you tasting it all?
1: I'm just so blown away by the fruit character in this beer. Yeah. This is fruity. Whatever yeast they use. I don't know, burn nail maybe or... Mm. Well,
2: it's good. Highly drinkable. Yeah. A little cardboardy, but highly drinkable. All right. 888-401-BEER is the number if you have any questions. We're going to start talking to Dave about uh, his beers in particular and, and cast condition uh, beers with these guys. Uh, a couple of the things I had come through just from uh, my feedback... Which is around here somewhere, I'm sure. What do you guys use to actually cask condition your ales? Uh, what kind of wood? What kind of what are you putting these guys in?
5: Well, we're putting them in 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 stainless firkins. Okay. Um, which is pretty much the norm in England these days. Okay. These firkins are made over there. Firkin is just the the size of a, of a particular particular size of the cask.
2: Which is what size? Then? Um,
5: it, well, it's nine. And a half British gallons, which is about 10.8 US gallons. Okay. Um, and so, you know, the, a, a pin, actually it's nine gallons, and a pin is four and a half British gallons, so a little over five US gallons. Okay. So they're, they use, you know, funny English nomenclature. Gotcha. Pin, firkin, uh, kilderkin. Okay. So barrel and then hogshead. Okay. So firkins are just the, the sort of the standard size cask. Um, but most of them are, with a few exceptions, most of them are stainless these days. Okay. But they still have that round barrel shape, which is kind of essential. Yeah. Especially when the, when the beer is in stillage and it's sitting in a rack and, and the, the yeast and sediment can collect in the curved part of the barrel. Okay. So, so the actual
2: bottom is a rounded part of the bottom, or, or you're just talking about like sort of the corner as it's...
5: Well, they sit on their sides. Okay. You know, like a picture of a barrel on its side. Gotcha. And there's a, there's a curved part at the bottom that, that collects the all the, the dry hop that settles out as well as the yeast sediment. Okay. And,
2: and is that how, and you mentioned on your website, too, uh, part of the reason you're able to serve all your beers unfiltered? And, and I guess traditionally, a, a Cascale is unfiltered anyway. But uh, is that a, a part of why you're able to do that?
5: Um, yeah. I mean, uh, we use a very flocculent English yeast that okay. does a lot of the work for us, too. Okay. Um, and then we, you know, some of the beers we do fine, uh, which is a, one of the more traditional English ways of getting yeast to settle out, using uh, Isinglass finings. Mm. Okay. And um, where do you put those in? Those would go in usually on the rack from the fermenter into the secondary tank. Oh, all right. Um, and they just bond with the yeast cells and, and create a larger particle that falls to the bottom faster. Is that your serving tank, or is that just yeah. A, okay? Yeah. What about any uh, kettle findings? We mm-hmm. do use kettle findings too. You do? Yeah. What do you use there, if you don't mind? Um, we use copper clear tablets, which is a kind of a proprietary product from one of the, the findings companies over in England. Oh, okay. Is it basically is it like a that,
2: is it like a seaweed type of thing like all the rest or
5: yeah it is but it it it's is. it's not in the the powdery sea or not in the seaweed form that you see you know like the uh, the um, what was it the, the uh, Irish moss no, Irish moss yeah yeah, Irish yeah. Moss, okay yeah. yeah okay now
1: Isengloss, is that that's fish guts right it is fish guts okay. it's the
5: swim bladder of uh, fish the the bladder that they take in and out air for. I wish they just called it fish guts. <laughs> you know? Clear your beer with, <laughs> with fish, fish guts. <laughs> <laughs> they it's not—it's not a very sexy sounding uh, phrase, yeah, but not. but uh, it's very traditional. You know, most of the English breweries use it, okay. um, and it's nice because it's very specific. It—it it, it works with um, you know, the the opposite charge of the yeast cell, so it it attracts just those just yeast. Mm-hmm. So you're only pulling yeast out of solution. You're not pulling any of the proteins that may or may not contribute to flavor or body or texture. Nice. Mm. So sort of like a it goes in in a sort of more surgical fashion and pulls out just the, the yeast that you want to get out. That's great. John, you can get that on a homebrew level, right? Uh, you can buy Isinglass, yeah. yeah. There's,
1: a, there's a wine that you can buy, a finding you called Boxen that actually, I believe, has Isinglass and, and gelatin in it. Okay. I've n- we never tried it on beer, but I'm curious. All I right. I do myself.
2: Now, would gelatin uh, be less specific than what you're talking about with the Isinglass, with the whereas gelatin might kind of bind to a little bit of everything and pull it out?
5: I've never really worked with it, but I no. think that... It, I, I'm pretty sure that it works on an on a, uh, electric charge level, too. Okay. So it should probably work similarly, too. Okay. To Eizinglass. All right. I got gotcha. you. Uh, and how
2: long are you conditioning these guys uh, before you're serving them?
5: I like to give them about a week.
2: Okay. Um, so now, when you, uh, do you go primary and then into the cask for a week and then you serve it, or is there three transfers?
5: A lot. Most of the time, there'll be a third transfer. It'll go into the serving tank. Okay. Um, and then from there, it'll get put into a cask. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so it's a usually about a week in the cask, unless it's a very strong beer. Okay. Um, some of those beers just benefit from a little extra time. All right. Aging, but and two or three of those days of that week will actually be out at, at room temperature, or basement temperature. Okay. Uh, which is a little higher, like around 60, 62 okay. degrees, um, just to kind of jumpstart that second fermentation, and then from there into the cellar that's 55 degrees.
2: Okay, now is, is is the just one week of doing that? Uh, is that what you found to be ideal for your beers, uh, flavor wise, or is it more of a you got to serve some beer and people are going through that stuff?
5: No, with the with the number with the space on our stillage and the number of firkins that we have, we could go longer. You could uh, okay, but you know a lot of the cask, a lot of the beers that are best on cask tend to be some of the session beers and the lower gravity beers, and and those beers just taste best fresh. You know, oh, okay, there's, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of. There's not much there to support extended aging with those beers. Gotcha. And so really, you know, you're you're helping the whole process along if you just get them to condition in a week after the you know week and primary week in the cask. Yeah. Maybe another couple of days in between there, but that's um, that's cool. fresh beer is fresh, you know, fresh English bitter. Right. Yeah. Kind of one of those sublime experiences.
2: That is, you know, that's great news for the home brewer. I think it's good to taste it fresh, too, and to drink it fresh, all beers. Yeah, sure. You see it change. But I think that there is uh, apparently a common misconception that a cask ale has to sit around in the cask for a while before it becomes good. That's true. And I I think that this kind of goes contrary to that, that that that's not necessarily true. You know, it would depend, I guess, if maybe you're aging it in in a wood barrel and you want to impart those flavors, that's a different story. Right. But if you're going into a firkin, you know, a stainless steel firkin... Like you're talking about, you're not imparting flavors, so fresh is going to be better in that sense.
5: No, it's it's very beer-specific. Um, things that you want to, you know, th- special beers, strong beers that, that really benefit from aging or anything in wood. Um, yeah, th- those those are the ones that we imagine and we think about sitting around for months maybe sometimes or at least weeks. Um, the average three and a half four percent 4% English bitter or an American pale ale that's going into a cask. I mean, you you know, you're looking for that... What you're looking for is that really amazing, bright, just finished, you know, super fresh beer mm-hmm. taste with the, where the dry hop is, is at its peak. Gotcha. And, you know, those things are all going to start, go, you know, going south pretty quickly with too much time.
1: And you mentioned dry hop. When are you actually dry hopping?
5: We dry hop the cask when we fill it. Um, it's it's The perk of, in itself? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And we just grab a handful and throw it into the... Whole in the leaf gas. hops? Mm-hmm.
2: I read that on your site, that That's you find whole leaf hops to be more the traditional way, well, not find, that they are the traditional way to uh, to dry hop a, a Cascale?
5: Yeah, they seem to be from from what I've seen in England. Okay. Um, you know, the argument for pellets, which I adhere to for most of the rest of the brewery, mm-hmm. is, you know, that the, the surface area to volume ratio is, is smaller, so you end up with a more stable product and you don't get oxidized hop flavors. Okay. And, you you know, you preserve some of the, the more volatile aromas. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, But there's something that feels very traditional, whether the science supports it or not, about taking a handful of whole hops and throwing it into a cask. Right.
1: Now, are you doing that to actually preserve your beer? Do hops preserve it, or or is your turnaround so quick?
5: The turnaround's so quick that it's probably a moot issue, but hops do preserve beer, and and beers that were sent on long sea voyages obviously received a a larger charge of of hops in the the cask. Okay. Um, But I don't think that that's something that... Just tradition. Yeah, I mean, we're looking for that bright hop aroma that you can only get from, from a dry hop. Hmm.
2: All right, so a uh, question from the chat room. This is a good one uh, talking about uh, how how you serve this. Uh, do you displace the air, uh, the ale with ambient air? So do you allow it to oxidize, you know, just with the hand pump deal?
5: I do it both ways. Okay. Depending on the beer. Um, the most, you know, Camera, the Campaign for Real Ale in England, the mm-hmm. organization that, the consumer organization that sort of single-handedly saved cask beer in England uh, 20, 30 years ago, they, they're very much purists and they frown upon any kind of CO2 entering into a cask, even if there's even if it's just blanket pressure. Gotcha. Um, they feel like you know tradition must be adhered to. You know they, the end of the day, though, you know you want your beer to taste fresh and, and taste as good as it can. Yeah. Um, beers, poppy beers, pale ales, IPAs, beers that are very popular that turn over in two or three days. Mm-hmm. No need to displace the you know the beer that's left that leaves a cask with.
2: It can oxidize in just say uh, forty-eight hours.
5: What little oxidation there is, some would actually argue is beneficial at that point. There, okay. there are people, there are, you know, cask you know lovers in England that, that like the beer best on the second day because of a little bit of oxidation. Yeah. I'm, I tend to prefer the first day fresh cask, especially with a hoppy beer. Gotcha. But, some you know, people will argue about it, and that's great. Um, beers that last more than three or four days, you know, if you want to be able to sell that beer and, and have it taste good, you know, you kind of got to do something. And so we have a cask breather, which is a, a diaphragm valve that just just pulls in enough CO2 to replace what volume was lost. Okay. Without adding any top pressure, which would seep into the beer and overcarbonate the beer. Gotcha. And so that's sort of a it, brewers of cask beer tend to see that as a perfectly acceptable um great way to be able to sell maybe a porter or a dark beer that's going to maybe be on tap for 4 or 5 6 days. Yeah. Um and you know the the camera folks in England will argue about that and say well that's not the traditional way, but it it works and it it makes the beer taste fine five days later, six days later, Which is otherwise important. it would be oxidized. Right. Okay. And so to be able to have five different cast beers on at once and have some have them span a range, including some darker, multier ones that don't sell quite as fast, You know, I find that we have to do that. Yeah. And I'm fine with it. Sure. I'm Correct. fine with that, too. Yeah.
2: Uh, hey, there's nothing worse than a, than a real stale beer. Uh, let me dumb it down just for a sec in case uh, any college kids are listening out there and, and things like that. What we're talking about in the oxidizing, if you ever had a kegger and you went and bought that keg from the liquor store and they gave you that hand pump yeah. so you can serve your beer... And maybe your party didn't go too well. You still got some beer left the following weekend. You chill it down again. You drink it. it tastes real bad. That's because you pumped a bunch of oxygen into the keg uh, and you oxidized your beer. Well,
1: what's in oxygen? You're pumping bacteria right into your beer and starts to grow... Yeah. You know, I mean, it's going to add funky flavors. And to it's just too. a
2: bad flavor. Mm-hmm. Now, with Cascales, they're, uh, tr- if they're served traditionally, it's on a hand pump. And a hand pump is uh, you're basically pumping oxygen to push it. Uh, so that's just what we're talking about on kind of a dumber level mm-hmm. for myself. <laughs> there, And uh, you're right. I-, I got no problem with it, too. I, I really like the um, philosophy of serving beer in a traditional manner, especially when you're dealing with styles like this. But I'm with you where there's nothing wrong with a little tweaking of the technology uh, in order to serve fresh beer and serve better beer. And I think that there are people who brewed beer uh, 150, 200 years ago. Had they had the technology, they'd have done the same thing you do, Dave. <laughs> so of you know, sure. I don't I mean, think you're violating any rules in that sense.
5: We've figured out some things in brewing over the last 8,000 years, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. True that.
2: Do you bottle any of your uh, beers? You know, I don't. Okay? Nothing, huh? And how about uh, distribution? Do you give it out to any of the places? Pretty limited. Yeah.
5: Uh, limited only on my time to get out and deliver it and bring it around to places. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, I do You know, a handful of five or six accounts maybe around the bay. Tornado? Tornado. Tornado takes casks of ours. Okay. Any place else you think of off the top of your head? Uh, we, Barclays. In Berkeley? Barclays in Berkeley. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes Cato's and Ben and Nick's also in, Berk- or in Oakland. Okay. Um, what about our house? I in the future. Okay. I, will, I will put this on my <laughs> delivery route. I appreciate that. Hey, we'll even pick it up if you put
2: a pickup window out there. <laughs> I had to ask for you, Jeff. Now, that's a good question, actually. Do you, uh, do you allow people to buy a keg of your beer for personal use? Yes. You do? Yes. See, now that's a great idea, and I don't know if it's just that I've never asked other pubs that, or if they generally don't do it. I know you can do it at Drake's. Roger mentioned that you can come by and grab a keg from him. He doesn't care. Uh, you could buy it
5: right after them, mm-hmm.
2: uh, but I don't think a lot of places do it. So you could go into your pub and, and put in an order for one of yours and and take it home huh
5: yeah i I need a couple days notice because we don't inventory those beers in kegs i'd be filling it to order yeah so i need to make sure i've got a clean keg of the right size and sure and but yeah sure as long as it's subject as to availability you know if if we're about to run out of a beer i'm not going to put the last of it in the keg for someone but right right but sure what about if a home brewer
1: brings say five gallon cornelius keg yeah sanitized clean ready for you to go sure i do that too
2: oh see that's great because then you've got to bring it back it's yours. and I'll be there tomorrow, Dave. Yeah, that's even better because,
5: <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I have a small number of kegs. and That's you know, even so better for you? Sure. I mean, you can keep it as long as you want if it's yours. Mm.
2: So are you taking the day off tomorrow for President's Day?
5: I'll be at the pub. So will I. <laughs> awesome. I'm in the city tomorrow. Why not? I'll go, go there
2: afterward. It'll be a great time. <laughs> How's the chat room going for you over there, Danielle? It's fine. Just wanted to check in on you. Mm-hmm. You're quiet. I'm sick. You are? Mm-hmm. Under the weather. Sick and tired or sick? Just sick. Okay. Well, that's good, because sick and tired would be no good. I know. I'm just sick. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and you're not going to the pub tomorrow, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's
2: fine. That's fine. All right. You mentioned briefly that you guys use an English uh, strain of yeast, and uh, according to your your website there, you only use basically one yeast. You have a proprietary yeast of your own?
5: Um I use uh, the website's a little outdated in that regard. Okay. Um I started and for many years adhered to that. I just felt like I wanted to develop a house character. Yeah. Um it is a it's a readily available yeast, but you know, it's it's it becomes our yeast as we brew with it multiple generations and you know, it's it does add a house character to most of the beers, but some of the beers I was finding myself constrained by that. Okay. And I broke my own rule and started you know, I started with the Kolsch. I tried to make a kolsch once and using using our you know, just a cooler fermentation with the house strain and it just it was still too fruity and too English tasting. Hmm.
2: And was that a real slow fermentation too? With the Kolsch in your in your English ale?
5: It actually took off alright. It did it okay. didn't it performed well, it just didn't taste like a Kolsch. Okay. So I from that opened a floodgate, really. Yeah. From that point on I got a Kolsch yeast for the Kolsch, I have an Alt yeast for the Alt. When we do Belgian beers, obviously we have to bring in Belgian yeasts. Okay. Um, but the vast majority of the beers are made with that with that that English strain.
2: And so, are you then just repitching slurry after slurry, mm-hmm. basically? So you, you you know I I know that you bre- we talked to you on Friday, which I really appreciate you calling in on the lunch meat show. That was a good time. And uh, you mentioned that you brew about three times a week. Right. Okay. So you're just kind of transferring slurry right to the next batch. Yeah. Could you give us a brief description of how how you do that? Uh, You know, get that yeast out of there and and ready for the new one?
5: Well, we do usually pull it off into a separate vessel, a a brink, if you will, which is, you know, sometimes just a sanitized bucket. Okay. Um, And where
2: do you pull it off from? From the
5: bottom of the cone. Just from the conical there you got. Okay. All right. And, uh, yeah, after we crash the tank and the yeast settles mostly into the cone, Mm -hmm. um, we're able to just pull off um, enough to get another pitch for the next batch. Okay. And uh, we usually... You know try to harvest the middle of the cone, it's difficult. It's you know, it's it's sort of the same idea as the, the way top cropping ale strains were originally harvested where you waited for the right you know, the first stuff that rose you you'd ignored and then the next stuff that came you would actually save. Gotcha. Um it's the same idea. We try to we figure that the stuff that Falls in the middle of the cone is probably the best, healthiest, most viable yeast. The stuff that fell out first might have some sort of reason why it, it, it dropped out first. Right. And the stuff at the end is not is losing some of its flocculation ability and not settling out as fast. So, okay. So we let a little bit down, a little bit out onto the floor first and try to visualize without being able to see into the cone, visualize that middle band of yeast that's sitting in the bottom of the cone. It's usually whiter, right? Yeah, it it if it's, it's dark not, not other than a dark beer that is gonna color it a little bit, okay. it's kind of a nice tan, really fluffy, um slurry, um kinda bubbly. Okay. I gotcha.
2: Now in repitching, since you're using the same yeast over and over, you got it down to a science. Do you find that you can predict, you know, how quickly you're gonna ferment and the and the whole bit, you know, kind of the same thing over and over for you?
5: Pretty much. Yeah. I mean I know when it's gonna take off, when yeah. it's gonna get through its lag phase and, and go into its exponential growth phase and Okay. Usually within a matter of hours, I mean, give or take. You ever gotten
2: um, a stuck fermentation off of a repitch like that and had to kind of do it again?
5: Um no. I've had you know, some of the, sometimes the first new pitch of a new strain of yeast, say we get a Belgian yeast for something special, um mm-hmm. you know, the, the first pitch can be kinda tough to acclimate to the new brewery environment. You know, it's coming from a laboratory environment, and mm. so that can, you know, you you expect the first pitch to be a little slower. Okay. Um The the second and third ones, I and mean, you have to think about, you know, we're pitching into we're, we just harvested that yeast within a day or two, and we're pitching it right into fresh wort. So this is yeast that's just always eating. Right. It's healthy. It's loving life. Right. You know, right. Literally, right. I mean, it's it's not sitting around at all. Yeah. So it's it doesn't have a chance to. To get dormant. I mean, that's one of the things. If you're brewing regularly enough, you're just keeping your, your yeast in perfect health. Yeah. And so it's those third, fourth, fifth, sixth generations sometimes that take off even faster, much faster than the first. Really? Where you do end up with a better fermentation. Do you find that your beers actually have a better flavor profile later on
1: in generations? Because
5: they're, they're healthier, they're cleaner, The the weaker yeast cells have settled out, you know? I think... If there's gonna be a problem, it's often the first generation that is the problem. Okay. And and if it's a flavor related problem or just a performance problem, I do think that those after one or two generations the yeast does truly acclimate to the you know, the geometry of your fermentation vessel and and the the conditions that you you know, the wort the profile, nutrient profile in the wort that you pitch. It's got home court advantage at that point. Knows everything about it. It does, it knows what to expect and, and I find that I do like those some of those middle generations better.
2: Okay. How many generations will you go before you uh, have to say this one doesn't get to work anymore?
5: Well, that's that's where it gets into, you know, brewer's paranoia. Okay. Um, you could, you can, if, you know, under the right conditions, you could take it really far. You know, I've, I've definitely gone into the high teens and the 20s. Okay. Um, I tend to start to get paranoid around 10. You do? And start thinking about ordering another pitch oh, okay. uh, from a from lab. but But I've also gone higher. And then I've also, and I've visited breweries in England, where uh, Fuller's, for example. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, they they harvest over and over and over, and you know, and we're talking about hundreds of generations. Gotcha. And they make great beer, and they make consistent beer, and their fermentations are predictable, and you know, so I, I think American brewers tend to find themselves after eight or nine generations starting to worry. Right. To the point where it becomes a little less fun. <laughs> All right, I gotta ask, and I apologize, John, but
2: it came through. It's an ongoing debate on our show. Do you cold pitch? What temperature do you pitch your yeast at? Came through from the chat room, John. Don't don't blame me. I'm, it's a good <laughs> question. It is a good question. Good argument. <laughs> uh,
5: I the yeast that has been harvested from the previous batch is in our cold room, which is sitting at forty two degrees. Uh sometime in the morning of a brew day, I tend to pull out that yeast and bring it out to the, the cellar the basement temperature, which okay. is you know, in the 60s or probably high 60s. And just throughout the brew day, let it come up to temperature a little bit. Hmm. Um, but other than that... But you're doing all ales, though. We are. So there's a there's an argument. It's
1: ales versus lagers. So lagers are traditionally... Germans, we were saying that they pitch cold. Cold, you right. Know, and, ales. It's a warmer warm pitch. Pitch anyway. Yeah. You're fermenting warm anyways. So. Yeah. Right. I'm
2: fermenting... Uh, I fermented my... Uh, well, your brew, how's that? My ESB. I don't know, like 72 to 74. <laughs>
1: we will have some raisin character.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, because I just wanted to get to brewing and I didn't have a lot of time. I, I was a small window. So when I was done, I, I just kind of I put my... I, wanted, I I thought I could leave them outside, but there was a cold front coming in. So it was going to get down to like 50, and I was worried I wasn't going to get a fermentation at all. So I put them inside. I fermented at like 74. But I think it'll still be you'll all right. It, here. it is yeah, an it'll ESD, so It'll be fruity, but, uh, you know. You should put it out in the cold for about a week. It's
1: done now, though I think. Just put it outside for a week. Yeah, a lot of that will settle out, I think.
5: For that style, it'll be great. You Think I so? I mean, a lot of the <coughs> a lot of the English brewers that are using these English strains that we get from you know White Labs or White East. Yeah, um, they ferment on the warm side. You know, a lot of I mean above 70.
2: Okay. See, cause as a rule, I've kinda say, hey, 70's my limit. You know, if I can keep it at 70, uh, I've just kinda of from doing the show have, have learned that that's, it's a pretty safe zone and it's a real healthy place for your yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I obviously know that above 70, the, the yeast is gonna go to work a little harder, but it's gonna produce some things. Right. But you make a nice point that if I, that over 70, and it is an ESB, um you know, I might get some nice stuff out of it. And I think it'll be fine, you. Yeah. Right. be clean, buddy. Yeah, I was clean. I definitely was clean. And, uh, you know, here's what's going to be interesting. Um, Don't do what Daniela did. Which, what? what, where she just six left we- it? Yeah, for six weeks <laughs> in the primary. It was I still was. fine. Okay, good. I think I'm kegging it Tuesday, actually. I could put that outside in the keg, right? Like, yeah. it doesn't have to stay in the carboy. No, it's put in the keg. Yeah, put the keg. Put yeah. those outside. Here's what's uh, what I'm going to find interesting about this. I use two different kinds of yeast. Um, I use Y yeast smack pack in one of them, and I use the White Labs vial in the other.
1: Which was the British, so, right?
2: We're both, yeah, both their own, uh, you know, proprietary British strain. Um, so I'm curious what the difference is going to be on those two. You know, I bet it will be a different beer, and uh, we'll see. Report p- we'll on that later. And I even remembered which uh, carboy I put uh, each one in. You tagged it. <laughs> I didn't tag it. I just know because <laughs> one has a lot less volume than the other. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I don't, Dave. If you don't listen to the show, I'm like notorious for being an idiot, and uh, <laughs> I just forget things all the time. About I planted hops. I planted two different strands of hops. Uh, put them both in their thing i remembered which one was in which went inside to get the label by the time i came back out i forgot which one was which so i didn't know it uh, i thought the same thing was going to happen with this beer but i remember nice short short-term memory <laughs> yeah exactly so uh anyway that's the deal with that but yeah 74 degrees i'm hoping for some for some good stuff i will uh i'll keg it up and then um see what happens well there. the good news is you have eight gallons of beer so You'll be okay. I do, uh, because my new system now, uh, I can do 10 gallons, although it was the first time I used it, so I didn't know how much boil-off I was going to get. I did. It, I it ended up with exactly eight gallons, I think. Huh. So Better than five. I got five in one and then three in the other, so I don't know if that's going to make a difference with the yeast uh, or what. Uh, Want to take a Drunk of the Week call? Okay. <laughs> Let's have a little fun. Yes, huh? Ready? Here we go, <laughs> Hey, Gucci. You there, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Gucci's <laughs> freaking out. How are you, my friend?
0: Oh, man, I've been drinking all damn day.
2: Whiskey, too. I can't
0: get drunk enough.
2: What are you talking about? <sighs> this guy was on the Blue show with me this morning. He had bourbon already. It was like, what time was it there, noon? Are, are yeah. you all
1: right, man?
11: <laughs> it's air crew, man. I can't drink enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, good. Uh, hey, 50G. Yes, sir. Oh, shit. Spider show. Yeah, we'll get two rivers in. <laughs> want to know, but Gucci
2: every time I talk to him, he's he's nice okay. for five sentences and then the the sixth sense is always uh where the fuck is yeah, the well, cider. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, so Dave, I got a question for you. There you sure. go.
7: For uh I, I have a uh a five gallon barrel
11: and uh I've heard that uh for home brewing purposes, um when I you know, I was gonna do like a stout or something like that, that I would get too much oakiness from a five-gallon barrel because of uh, surface uh, contact. Is, is that right, or is there a weight around that or something like that?
5: I can't say I've ever tried it, but, I mean, it, it makes sense that the surface-to-volume ratio is, is so high with five gallons that you are going to, it seems like it would just expedite the process. So I would exactly. think that the, a shorter contact time would be the way to minimize the pickup of of those flavors if you were trying to minimize it. Or
7: just uh,
5: stay with wood chips, I guess. That would work, but I would say I think if you just carefully can you sample uh, as it's progressing along and just sort of make a call when to pull it out of there. All right, Gooch, can you do that? Can, can, you, can you take a sample can. and then figure out when to get it out?
2: If he's not, drinking? no way. I am, I'm hopeless. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the man who's lost like fifteen stir bars in the last fifteen brews. They're all and at the bottom. I got
7: my uh, cell phone run over on Las Vegas Boulevard, too.
2: Oh, nice work. Oh,
3: blah,
9: blah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do Yeah, alcohol was a player.
2: Of course. All that right. doesn't surprise me. Fair Thanks, Gooch. We'll see you, buddy. Cal. All right.
1: <laughs> he sounds like you drank it for a moment, <laughs> It's funny about Gooch because he's always so nice. Yeah. And then here he's like, yeah, blah, blah, blah.
2: I got a question. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> angry.
4: <laughs> He's just very angry in general today. It's and he really wants a cider show.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm telling you, really, every sixth sentence of him is, where's a fucking cider
4: show? <laughs> and other people want it too. Where's yeah. the cider show? When's the but cider it,
2: show? But at this point, like, we missed the opportunity for, like, it's not cider season again till what, October? Yeah, it's the fall, so. Yeah, so. Strawberries in spring, apples in the fall. You want us to do it now? Hey, you know right? Well, we, we can do it, like, two months in advance. Sure. Right? We'll so that they can.
1: Like, July or something.
2: All right. Even that's too early. What you
1: got to do it cider, in the fall, What you? is
4: it, cider season? That that's when well, you drink the cider or what?
2: No, it's because that's when you harvest apples and whatnot, and that's what you use in your cider. So you want to get, like, fresh mm-hmm. fruit and then do your brew right then. Like, you know, if you're really going to do a good cider, not that I've ever done it, but uh, from what I understand, you you want to pick the fruit, kind of do it all yourself, get it mashed and, and into your into your cider, right? Yeah. So you don't want to do a cider now. You want to wait till uh, you can harvest well, some stuff. We could do an information, you know, like this. Yeah show and i thought the guy's not calling us back though that's we're not like putting off the show we are trying <laughs> but he's he just hasn't got back
1: to us yet right you know it's like one know, i've only called him once so i'm not, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> okay well, i don't well. want to burden you now. that's poor johnny's like he like makes
2: all these calls and emails and then feels he's like i don't want to bother the poor guy right yeah, just, yeah. no one oz you're on the air what's up buddy oh shit
6: hi man how are you I'm good. What's going on?
2: Ah, uh, you know, just hanging out here with Dave. Uh, You've been drinking whiskey all day with Gucci, or what?
6: Yeah, but Gucci's bringing that way. <laughs> he's been
2: going since lunchtime i was gone since like 5am It's true When Oz tuned into the Blue Show this morning it, And I don't know what's wrong with this guy Because he does every Sunday But it's literally 5am when he tunes in I think he stays up for two days He rolls out of, He always sleeps for like two hours And then he rolls out of bed He shows up in the chat room And he's like I think I'm going to have bourbon and a cigar <laughs> It's 5am Oz, oh, you're my hero <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I think you're right, Oz Gucci I- is bringing it week.
6: That's it. Yeah. I want to send some props out to one of the guys in the forum, um, Skipper. Yeah? He um, searched down at of ASB and brought me a bottle around yesterday, so I reckon that's really good.
2: Oh, that's real nice. Yeah, you were mentioning that earlier. That's cool. So this guy, uh, another one of our uh, great Australian listeners there, his name's Skipper in our forum, uh, goes out because they can't always find the beers that we're doing our tasting here. Well, Skipper found out where he can get it. Oz couldn't get it. Guy drives an hour, Wow! D- brings Oz a bottle of it, and then drives back home. Oz yeah. sent him home with some homebrew, didn't you, buddy? Yeah, yeah, give him some of my beer. a boy. And then... I love brewers, man. Then the guy goes home. He goes home with Oz's beer, and he proceeds to write him an email or whatever of uh, everything he got out of Oz's beer. Gave him a full, like, flavor profile, what he thought of it, all this different stuff. Like, this guy is That's a, hardcore. Yeah, I think we should call him, like, Saint Skipper. From now on, he got to change his name. <laughs> you know, he's the beer saint of Australia. He's a good guy. Well, I'm glad. so uh, what'd you th- what'd you think of the Fullers then?
6: It's not too bad. I don't I don't mind it. At all. I'm not a big fan of the British style beers, but the Fullers isn't
2: too bad. Okay, yeah, I like it. I think it's pretty mm-hmm. alright. Definitely malty. Yeah. Not that malt flavor. All I've right, got us-
6: one more thing too. Go ahead. Um, I was saying in the chat room this morning that I'm going to kick everybody's ass that complains that the um archives are going up too slow. Yeah. And then old St. Jamil gets on and starts whinging about it.
2: Oh, was he complaining about the archives there?
6: Yeah, complaining that his show's <laughs> not on bloody iTunes yet. So <laughs> when I come over there next year, i going to kick his ass.
2: Yeah, kick the Pope's ass.
6: <laughs>
2: That's good, Oz. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, buddy. All right. We'll see ya. Cheers, Oz. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, Gucci is bringing it weak. I'm going to agree with Oz on that. And I like that he got on the Pope's ass. Be complaining of me, Jamil. Can't wait to meet Oz. <laughs> it's too bad. If you don't have a budget, just fly the guy out here. Nice. And Skipper, what a good Australian that man is. Brought a guy, Drove an hour to bring that man a beer. That's a cool thing to do. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to wrap things up here with Dave McLean from Magnolia Brew Pub. And uh, great beers he's got going on there. Great pub. And good discussion. I appreciate you hanging out with us, Dave. Yeah, thanks. My so. pleasure. Lots well, about the Cascales. We'll be right back. It's the Brewing Network.
9: And now back
11: to the Brewcaster. The Brewcaster. Brewing.
2: All right, you're back. Dave McLean from Magnolia Pub in San Francisco, California. He's right there on the hate if you want to go check him out. Great place, I'm telling you. Go look at the uh, website, magnoliapub.com. Just good art, good information, cool place to go. If you're not from California, looking at the website will make you want to come here, I'll tell you that. It's really good stuff. All right, We're talking a lot about your ingredients that we use here, Dave. And one of the things I was reading... Uh, Is about your base malt. You got that all over your website. And uh, you prefer to use the traditional English Maris
5: Otter. I do. I love the stuff. Okay. Um, I, a lot of the older varieties of English malt, um, Maris Otter being the, the, the one that we go to the most. Uh-huh. But there are, uh, there's one called Pearl. There's Golden Promise, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah. Um, they all have, uh, they're like heirloom barleys, basically. Okay. I think of like heirloom tomatoes or something. They have a seed you know, a plant that hasn't been altered in the last 50 years. Okay. Um, And it's just, you know, it, time has maybe passed it by from a production standpoint. It, it doesn't yield as well in the field, or maybe it's uh, not as resistant to disease as newer strains. Okay. But in the end, you know, you, the growers and the maltsters and everybody involved give up some of those things, some of those modern conveniences in order to produce a malt that's just got superior flavor. Okay. Um, Superior subjective, of course. But sure. For the kind of beers I like to make. I think it's uh, Maris Otter, especially, is just the the you know it, you can't go wrong starting with that as a base. Right. What do you what do you think it brings to your beers? Uh, it brings a really just a very rich, bold you know kind of biscuity malt mm-hmm. profile. Um, you know some of the, some of the flavors you might get from some of your specialty malts, uh, maybe from caramelts malts or low you know low colored crystals, mm-hmm. um, but you, you know without the residual sugar that you get from some of those specialty malts. You know, this is just in the base malt. You're getting some of these biscuity flavors. Right. And, um, you know, it's just, it holds up well to really high hopping rates. I mean, it's sort of a, it's kind of ironic because you use it thinking, well, it's perfect to make English beers that are very balanced. And, yeah. you know, the malt stands up, you know, as the front and center. But then, you know, lo and behold, it turns out that you can, you know, hop the hell out of one of those beers Using Maris Otter as a base, and malty. you still taste. You still know that there's malt there. You yeah. know it doesn't go over that top and cross that boundary where it becomes hop tea. Gotcha. Um, because mm-hmm. it's it's you know a bold malt. And it it's got the up. backbone.
2: Yeah. Okay. Let me interrupt just a second because we got a caller here. I think someone wants to do drunk of the week. Are you still there, buddy?
7: Oh, I'm
2: here. Who are we talking to? That's Bob. Bob. Yeah. As in boob. 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 It's Daniela's favorite boob. <laughs> how, how you feeling today?
7: Um. A, a little out of my head, but I'm uh, doing okay.
2: And what have you been drinking?
7: Uh, a bunch of homebrew. I just sent you guys a bunch of it.
2: Nice. Oh, of nice. My uh,
7: birth announcement beer for my daughter.
2: Hey, congrats. That's sweet. That's great. Homebrews are awesome. I'm having a daughter. Let's brew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's my daughter vintage.
7: <laughs> I'm cleaning out the basement. I got like a, I got like a half dozen of these things here. I, I opened up a beer from like three Christmases ago.
2: Really? How was it's that?
7: I sent you some of it. It's a little foamy. Is it? I, I don't know if it went bad or, I don't know, I'm too drunk to taste
2: it. Yeah, I got you. It gushed a little bit, though, huh? It,
7: it gushed a little bit. I mean, I had it in the fridge for like a day, too.
2: Uh, so
7: it shouldn't have been too bad, but um, right. it gushed a little bit.
2: All right, we'll keep that in mind before we pop the cap in here.
7: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I sent you a half dozen, uh, Yeah, I, I don't know, a bunch of <laughs> beer and a... Uh, a uh, dozen pint glasses I had made. So.
2: Oh really? With your with your homebrew logo on it or what? Yeah,
7: with my homebrew logo on it.
2: Oh, that's cool, man! I appreciate that.
7: Yeah, Thank I, you. I did that for Christmas. I got like a case of the damn thing sitting here, so I might as well send you some, right?
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I
1: appreciate. I mean, it.
7: You can give them away, or you can keep them, or whatever. I mean, you're you're kind of an a-hole, so you'll probably keep them. But
2: you know, whatever. <laughs>
1: that's true. He is selfish that way. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, you make a good point, Boop. I will totally keep them, and I'll even we'll we'll do a tasting right out of them too. How about that?
7: <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. Whatever. You know, I mean, you can. <laughs> You can call me an a-hole. That's
2: cool. All right, Boob. Well, I, you got my vote so far for uh, drunk of the week.
7: Yeah. Uh, all I have to do is call you an a-hole and I'm drunk of the week. and yeah, that,
2: everybody that in the, is the easy, forum I'm drunk man. of the week, then. Yeah. It's that easy. <laughs> it is Good that, point. Yeah, but you called in to do it, so that's the difference. All right. You bet. <laughs> Game on. Okay. Thanks, Bob. All right, bye. We'll see you. I don't know if i got anything to give them, but I'll call them drunk of the week. <laughs> We've we got something. we some got something there. Somewhere. Still got time left, though. We could take some other people. All right. Two things. Back to your uh, Maris Otter. Two things that uh, you mentioned, Dave, uh, on your site when talking about this thing that I want to know about. And and probably dumb questions, but uh, sometimes the dumbest are the good ones. Uh, Maris Otter is a floor-malted barley is what you put there. What does that mean that it's floor-malted?
5: Um, well, it's not all is floor-malted. Oh, okay. The Otter we use is floor-malted. Otter okay. um, is the variety, um, just the the name of the variety that grows in the field. Right. And then it's because it's such a premium malt, a lot of times it does get the, the sort of super premium treatment in the malt house, okay. uh, which is to floor-malt it means to um, germinate it and spread it out on a large floor, it, these huge rooms that are perforated, kind of a concrete floor with a bunch of little holes in it, so they can te- they temperate the malt by blowing air up through it but uh it's you know it's spread very wide but very shallow okay. uh, maybe only about a foot deep and that keeps uh little hot uh, during the germination process the little barley seeds are sprouting and the little roots and shoots are coming out yeah and in a big germination tank it's quite possible and, and pretty likely that you're going to have some of the roots and shoots kind of clump together okay. and p- and create these tight Balls of of malting, of germinating barley where the, the heat energy from the germination is actually kind of c- cooking the the barley okay and so you end up with these regional hot spots you end up with an inconsistent product sometimes Gotcha. Um, I mean you know modern technology allows for that to be controlled and mon- you know monitored so they can tell okay but nonetheless the older way of doing it is to sort of spread it out on a big floor so that's not even possible you know it's only a foot deep at its deepest. And they still, even with that, they walk through with these turners on their backs, these kind of plow-type devices. Oh, really? And they just drag them up and down the floor and keep turning it, too. So it's just this little foot-deep, you know, room full of malt, and they just keep flipping it over and over and over so none of it clumps together and none of it gets too hot. Okay. It all stays the same temperature, and that produces a really consistent product. Nice. And How um,
2: big a room are we talking here?
5: Um, You know, think of a big kind of warehouse-type space. Uh, So so as big as a warehouse. Like a Costco kind of place or something. No kidding.
2: And the whole floor of that is how they do it.
5: Yeah. It's just a big room with kind of a low ceiling because it doesn't need to be very tall. Sure. um, But really wide and really far. Okay. Um, So it's space-intensive. Yeah. Nobody builds a floor maltings anymore. It's one of those things where the few, I think six companies do it in England still. Okay. And they're all seventh generation, eighth generation. It's just something that hmm. you know their fathers did, and their fathers did, and it was already
2: there when they got it. You
5: just don't decide to open a floor maltings today, okay. right? But a lot of brewers really put a premium on getting the you know if you're using this great product to start with, Maris Otter is such a great variety of barley, okay? And then to give it just you know really loving care in a floor maltings rather than a big tank maltings.
1: Okay. Do they add any moisture to the floor malting to have it germinate?
5: Yeah, it's it's the moisture content is raised in the beginning, and then is it humidified or is it from the floor? It's it's moistened first before it's spread out on the floor. Oh, so they I think soak it starts in water. out. It goes from the you know it gets offloaded and and cleaned through screens. You know where all the, the uh, uh, straw and the, uh, right. the other bits fall off, and then it gets put into a, a tank very quickly where it's just moistened to the right So it's moisture. wet going into the and then, then Yeah, the wet mulch gets spread out on the floor. Oh, interesting. And then the perforations in the floor blow it dry. Okay. So kind of the moisture content is slowly changed. And they don't wet it again after that? No.
1: Okay. Wow. It's pretty a, cool. That's it's a cool, cool thing to see. Yeah. So, I mean. yeah. Now, and they kiln it at a higher level bond too, right? It's, it's a little bit – it's a dark – Malt profiles. You, if you're going to do an all marisotter based beer, it would you, be a darker color. If you're
5: yeah, you will get some more color. Okay. Um, I think that the it varies by main, by maltster too. Right. But, but I think that ours is so we're using a Thomas Fawcett, which is a mm. uh, up in Yorkshire in the center of England, north mm. north central England, and I think it's about 2.3, 2.4 bonds. Right. Which is a little high for a pale malt. Sure.
1: Yeah, I use marisotter myself too, and you do get more malt backbone in your homebrew. So. Compared to two real great westerns, a little drier.
5: Yeah, it's a, it's a significant change in the flavor, mm-hmm. um, it, and it becomes once you get if you like the taste of it, which maybe not everyone does, I know. But if you do like the taste of it, it's very hard to go back. Yeah. You know, once you start playing around with it, it's very. Yeah. It's like once you start eat, once you eat an heirloom tomato, hmm. it's very hard to it's eat hard a tasty white else. tomato. You know, in the middle of winter
2: from Safeway, you're yeah. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. The good ones once you have the good stuff. Now, but given that. Um, you, you mentioned uh, on your site as well that um, some people are switching from the Maris Otter because it's considered to, to be uh, less efficient than some of the newer malts. So what do you think about that as far as efficiency?
5: I think Maris Otter is an efficient malt. I think that it's some of the problems with it are more upstream uh, in the growing of it. I think that, uh, you know, the growing and the malting of it, um, I think that farmers don't like to grow it as much. Uh, because they can, it's more disease susceptible, okay. and, and it yields poorly in the field, so it drives up the price because okay. they're charging a premium for the their extra effort. Um, and so I think you know in the, on the website I think I used efficiency in that sense as as not so much your, your mash efficiency, um, more efficiency, more of just the, the economics of making it, and selling it, and like is, does it make sense for a brewery that that you know to to pay that extra money per pound to bring it in okay. uh, for that reason? Okay. So as a home brewer though, I mean you can. You know, you can afford a few extra cents a pound if you're getting, you know, making twenty using twenty pounds at a time. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, it's it's great to be able to play around with the best ingredients at that level. It's kind of when you have to start making those harder decisions. Yeah. As a business, you know, do the six cents a pound make sense, or do you know, do the twenty cents a pound make sense? You know,
2: you know and that's a tough decision that you Can't almost hate that. to ever have to ask yourself. Do I not just go always for the for the best quality of
1: ingredient? You all of a sudden got to ask, I, you know, I really want to do that, but can I afford to do it? Well, especially if you're going into it. First, you're probably young, you don't you don't care about the greens, but later as you grow and you're 40 times as big as you ever dreamed of, yeah, maybe you want to cut back a little
2: bit. Yeah, then you might got to worry about six cents a pound yeah. if you're buying <laughs> right? 500 pounds, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, that's not very much. Stuff. Not at all, but. All right, I'm going to take a quick call here. I think uh, we'll, we'll sidetrack just for a second. I think we got a review of uh, the Hop Stopper. Yeah. Is that what we got here? It's mad Now, if you guys don't remember, iHomebrew Solutions uh, called into the show not too long ago. Actually, no, I guess it was a few months ago mm. now. And uh, uh, let us try a product called the Hop Stopper, which I've not used myself yet. And they uh, gave one away to BeerPal, actually. And BeerPal had a little difficulty with it. And the guy at iHomeBrew Solutions has been just real cool about helping BeerPal out with his problems. In fact, he published a new test himself where he just... Uh, I'll show you the pictures after the show, John. And I'm probably going to be posting this review on the forum. An unbelievable amount of hops. He put like I don't know, 18 ounces or something. Well, uh, and uh, it seemed to work real well. But uh, uh, MedTech, you're on the phone here, buddy? Hello. Hey, MedTech, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing real good. So, MedTech, I guess you used it yourself, and you want to give us a little review of the Hop Stopper?
7: Yeah, I figured I wanted it from you guys, and you wanted to hear back from me, you, so I'd call on and let you know how it worked.
2: Awesome, let's do it. What did you find out?
7: Um, the first batch I tried was actually a Scottish ale, which didn't have hardly any hops in it, and that thing collected what little bit of hops was in there, and it drained right down to the bottom.
2: Okay. It worked great. Very nice. So you got a real clear work out of it.
7: Oh, yeah. The, the second batch I tried, uh, figured I'd give it a real test, and gave it an IPA with over six ounces of pellet hops, mm-hmm. and I ran it through and I use a pump and a counterflow chiller, and since it's so damn cold out here, like negative 20, I could run it full bore with the pump wide open. Okay. And the only problem I had was right at the end was, I just attribute to me pulling it out of the keg so fast okay. that it left a little bit under a gallon of wort in the bottom. Okay. And it broke the siphon, so I kind of lost that. I mean, probably if I had slowed it down at the end, it would have been... Able to take out a lot more of the wart.
2: Would have gone right still there
7: collected a ton of hops.
2: That was six ounces, you said? Oh yeah. Okay. No hop bags? Nope. Okay. Just
7: threw them through the pellets right in.
2: Yeah. Oh. Nice. And now, is that the just just the straight version that he sent to you from winning? It wasn't modified or anything else.
7: Um, he just, no, he just sent it right, whatever he sent me is what I installed in my, I had a converted keg and nice. put it right in.
2: Nice. So is it going to be, is it now uh, considered a, a full-time guy in your brew system?
7: Oh yeah, I'll, I'll leave it in there. I mean, yeah. next time I'll try slowing the pump down when I get to the end and that should solve that problem. And
2: yeah. Hey, we'll it's a good idea. I'll tell you what, I have one too because he sent us a sample and he, the sample he sent us is just for a straight converted keg, which is what yep. I have now. And uh, in my last batch, the first time brewing on it, I totally screwed up my Whirlpool. I just did the Whirlpool later instead of earlier, and then I, tra- yeah. I transferred everything. But what I'm thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug that guy into mine, too, and, and check it out. Because I got probably the same thing you got, just the base, mo- you know, whatever the regular model is. And it's designed yeah. for a converted keg, and that's what I have. So I'm going to plug it in and give it a shot now, too. Uh, yeah,
7: and I got a couple of pictures of the actual the amount of hops that are stuck to it. Oh, okay. If you want to go online, it's uh, betez.net, b-e-t-t-e-z.net. Okay. And there's a couple of pictures at the bottom of the page that shows. I mean, there's a good quarter inch of hops stuck to that thing, and it works pretty good. Nice. Good feedback.
2: That's yeah, that's great feedback. All right, so let me ask you this then. I'll put it to the test here. I think that it retails for right around sixty bucks. If you hadn't gotten it given to you, would you would you pay sixty bucks for it? Yeah, yeah,
7: probably. If I heard someone use it and said it worked, I mean, I'd yeah. definitely give it a try.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking so too. I mean, because it's
7: just so much easier to clean that thing after. I mean, I take it right out and I just squirt it down with the hose, and it's all the. I mean, it's clean. I don't have to worry about hot bags and burning my damn hands
2: and
3: right. trying
7: to add hops to a bag and all that. It's just so much easier to throw it right in and
2: easy yeah. to clean. All right, cool. Hey, I appreciate the review.
7: No problem. I'd like to thank you guys for giving it away and thank Innovative Homebrew Solutions also.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, MedTech. Thanks. All right, buddy. Yeah, that's a good review. That's that's nice. In case you didn't hear that show, it's basically a screen with a, a copper tube in the middle of it so that you can transfer your wort right from the kettle through whatever you're going to do it. In fact, the guy who uh, owns iHomebrew Solutions, all of his tests, they uh, transferred through a Therminator, which is even more likely to get clogged if oh, it yeah. actually transfers anything. Yeah. And it works awesome every time, he had said. Um, there were a couple posts uh, from BeerPal. I guess BeerPal actually purchased one. MedTech mm-hmm. won it. Um, or he had a little trouble and the guy from ihomebrew solutions just really helped him out got him going with it and uh, it's just a way to to avoid the whirlpool which i screwed up this time uh, without and, and also still get a clean word so it's uh, ihomebrewsolutions.com if you guys want to check it out he was nice enough to donate a couple of months ago so figure we let that uh, review go down that's uh, very cool all right i think we got a question from a caller too caller you're on the air
9: hey the guy's it's george how you doing
2: good george how are you i'm pretty good nice what can we do for you step a batch. Oh yeah, what'd you finish?
9: Uh, I brewed an ordinary bitter.
2: Oh, is that, uh, was that a Jamil show thing happening for you? Yep. Did, okay. Yep, sure was. Listen to the Jamil show and took the advice. I did. All right. I'm I'm sweaty balls some, uh, or
9: real light gravity beers, and it kind of got me thinking about the cask thing uh, last week. So it's it's uh, an opportune guest here. Yeah, yeah. I got a question for Dave about the cask thing.
3: Okay, do it.
9: Now I found in BYO there's a sort of a little make your own engine. But uh, I've, I've kind of been held up by the the beer going stale because there's no way that I'm going to drink, you know, five gallons before it goes stale. Okay. So, um, has he ever known any way to get a home brewer or, or, or a corny cake volume to, uh, you know, something that put a, a oh yeah. like a, a CO2 blanket on it without?
2: Yeah, kind of the same food. way he does it with his, but on a homebrew scale. What do you know about that, Dave?
5: I'm not aware of anything like that, but I don't, and I can't remember how much I paid for my cask breather. That's what it's called. Okay. Um, but I think that's the the perfect solution. It could very well be the perfect solution at the homebrew level too, because it is. I mean, if you if you have CO2 for whatever other applications you're doing yeah. you know, at home, if you got a bottle of CO2, it's it's very easy to hook up this breather, and and it may be a way to kind of come up with one on your own too. But it really is just a it's just a disc with a a diaphragm valve. Okay. And it's just a demand valve. It just, you know, it only just, it only opens when there's a change in the, you know, in the volume and change in the, you know, it starts when the the cask itself starts to pull a vacuum because yeah, it, you know, it's pulling on the system as the beer runs out. Um, it's just going to bleed in a little bit of CO2. Just enough to be a blanket pressure to to help preserve the beer and keep it from oxidizing. That's very simple. So, it's just a
2: one-way valve, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just. I'm
9: looking to look see what I can find to, to build one of those because I found a, a source for one, but they're, they're like easily one fifty from the UK.
5: Oh, right. Yeah.
9: Especially <laughs> another. the time you ship them, it's another fifty or sixty.
5: Right, but there has to be a, a some other kind of demand valve like that. That's that's not maybe not customized for the brewing industry, but yeah, and therefore a little cheaper. Right. Absolutely. And a big
2: balloon. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I'll you almost could.
2: And I, you could almost do it manually I if you just if you connected a cart like like the travel cartridge.
1: No, I would uh, put in a five gallon corny keg yeah. and put it on like a one or two pound pressure and just leave it at that. Because yeah. I don't think you'll ever exceed that really, as far as a pre- solution, the carbonation going in solution.
2: So you it's, could still hand pump it then, because that's not enough to push it. You're saying, and that would be enough to to replace it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Or just do a quick disconnect and purge yeah. it with the one pound pressure, and then it's a
5: pain. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but it would work. I mean, it, you know, yeah. pound or two of pressure is not going to over, not going to seep into the beer and carbonate the beer. Right. Is, is that enough to serve it? You think, out of a keg like that? Yeah, well, I think. I mean, if you're going you to gra- pump it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah you want to pump it.
2: it? Okay. I mean that's the deal. He wants to hand pump it, but he doesn't want to oxygenate it at the same
5: time. I mean if you gravity dispensed it just out of a tap, you know you would notice as the flow started to d- to go down, that would be time to charge it up with another little hit from your CO2 tank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. It's that's
9: probably what I'll try with this one. But I was was hoping for if maybe you might know something that would uh, you know yeah. to be a little bit less labor <laughs> intensive.
5: Right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, I the, uh, the the so called cast breather. Which is just okay. a demand valve. Is if you, you know, it's a it's small investment, but yeah, it would definitely do the trick. Got to do it. I would email JP at morebeer.com. dot com.
1: Yeah, to go out and find a homebrew product well, for it. Well, he, he's got a, a hand pump right next to his desk right now that we're going to start to carry. Yeah. So I think you know eventually homebrewers will be able to have that at home. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, i got a feeling J.P.'s going to be on the phone with Dave next week. Hey, tell me about that breeder again. Yeah. What, how that works. <laughs> yeah. Or, hey, iHomebrew Solutions, man. You guys yeah. come coming up with some good stuff. Come up with a little diaphragm like that. I'm sure homebrewers can do it, too. Yeah. It I is a simple some- me- mechanism if you think yeah. of it. I couldn't do it because I'm half a retard, but it uh, it's not that difficult to just put a diaphragm in there. What
1: about those aquarium pumps? You know, those aquarium CO2 things that release a certain amount of CO2 into an aquarium?
2: Yeah, but they do it consistently. You just plug it in and it goes.
1: So we'll hook that up to your keg and plug it in as go as you serve it with a hand pump. Yeah,
2: it's the same as having your CO2 tank on there, though. You need something That's that can true. only... It's only when you draw off from the beer that it allows right? the stuff in. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks for the call. It's a good question. All right. Thanks, guys. Right, good s- See you, buddy. Bye. All right. All uh. right. Yeah, can't solve everything around here, huh, Daniela? Mm-mm. <laughs> could you build one of those things? You're a German. I think I could. <laughs> <laughs> Phone's ringing off the hook. That's always a good time. All right, so uh, let's see. What else did I have here for you? Hey, let's talk about your hops. Uh, you're pretty traditional with the Kent Goldings, but you also use a lot of Cascade in your beers.
5: Yeah, I I, I definitely appreciate both sides of the pond in that one. I like that. Uh, I, you know, if I'm making the British-style beers, I I love these Kent Goldings. Okay, um, I, I definitely like the aroma a little better. I think than the American Goldings I've had, mm-hmm. um, and other ones too. Challenger, North Down, those are those are favorites of mine. Especially Challenger. I've been using a lot of Challenger lately. Really, and I like that. I like the aroma in it.
2: Is Challenger one of the high alpha acid ones, or just it's real it's a real medium? Stone.
5: It is. Yeah, it's like seven to eight, depending okay. on the. It's r- it's on the high side though, right? What's a, well, a traditional? I What's a high?
2: Fourteen yeah. is a fourteen a high.
5: are definitely high. Okay, I mean, thirteen a to fifteen, sixteen. Okay, yeah. All right. So you've been using that lately, I like Challenger, yeah. Um, You know, whereas uh, East Kent Goldings adds sort of an earthy, spicy note, Challenger's a little bit of a brighter note. Okay. Um, And so depending on what you're going for, that can be a nice alternative. Gotcha. Um, So uh, First Gold is kind of a newer English, well, not new, but one Mm -hmm. of the newer English varieties. I've been playing around with that. Okay. But then to turn around and throw Columbus and Cascade into a beer is not beyond me either. I mean, our, our IPAs are, we do two IPAs. We do an English style that's got all the English hops, and then we do a... You know, unabashedly American West Coast IPA that is Columbus and, okay. and Cascade. Nice. And
2: when you throw that uh, handful of whole flower hops into your whatever particular cask uh, beer, what's your favorite there?
5: Usually East Kent Goldings. You will? Okay. Um, except the Proving Ground IPA, which is our West Coast IPA. That'll get a handful of Cascade.
2: And you use uh, flowers in that, too? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so do you, so you don't dry hop any of your beers with pellets?
5: No. Uh even in the, the if we dry hop a a, a bright tank, a serving tank, yeah. it'll be a big bag full of whole hops.
2: Oh, okay. Now now this is an idea that I, I like. We've talked about this before, to actually dry hop the serving tank. Now for that you guys will actually you'll put it into a uh like a, a nylon, a nylon bag, yeah. And just throw it right in there. Um I don't know. I'm trying to think of... I guess a regular keg, you don't have a problem with with dip tube. But I'm thinking in the corny keg, I'm wondering if that bag is going to get stuck down at the bottom of the dip tube.
1: Yeah, I probably will. It will clog I, it. Would,
5: I would tie it to the dip tube. Tie it maybe. to the bottom no, of the dip tube, the tube but just
2: above where it uh, would pour.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tie my bag in the tank one of the bolts on the top of the Grundy tank. Oh, you do? Okay. And dangle it in there so it never falls to the bottom.
2: Yeah. Now, that's a great idea. And I guess, yeah, because you don't need it to be all the way to the uh, you know, to the yeah. bottom of the keg. You just want it to get its flavors out, and then it's fine if it ends up out of solution, right?
5: Right, which it does in, in my situation.
2: Because you tie it up top.
5: Right. Okay. And so it's just hanging there at the end. with But, no but it's already done it. its job at that point. Yeah, I've already extracted the, the volatile aromas and flavors that I want. So. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think that's... Now
2: what about sanitation issues when you're doing that?
5: It it defies all you know <laughs> everything you think you know about, you know, brewery sanitation because you're just putting a big bag full of hops and you can't it's very hard to do anything yeah. about it. You can't sanitize the hops. No, you're you not going to dip trust them. In. That it's true that hops are somewhat antibacterial, antimicrobial. Yeah. And um sure. What about the bag itself? I I I'll soak that in sanitizer. You will. But and, um okay. Yeah, I mean it's I it's been done for so many hundreds of years that sure. that it seems to be all right.
2: I'm thinking I actually dry... I I know it's it's an ESB, and it was sort of traditionally traditional how I brewed it, but I'm really thinking of dry hopping not in the carboy, but doing a keg dry hop. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to have two kegs. I guess I can do it with one and not the other. That's right. But I, I just thought I might throw a little Kent Goldings in a bag there and uh, see how it goes.
5: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I've seen some, some craft brewed you know beer sent out into the trade with a bag hanging in there. Oh, okay. Um you know people have done it and yeah. you know to try to get that that most volatile of aromas, you know, as close to the customer as possible or as close to the drinker as possible. Right. You know, it's it's definitely done. It can I, be done.
2: I'm thinking I could tie it right to the middle of the dip tube sure. and that way it'll still be submerged like four hours after I tap it. Good. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go pretty quick once I... I'll get a good four hours of dry hop out or of it. Try, or
1: s- try sealing the lid with a lot of high-pressure CO2 with the strings attached on the outside. Pulling up on the lid. Oh, yeah? Like 14 or 15 pounds on it. Uh-huh. And try pulling up and sealing
2: it that way. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. You're risking possibly at leaking, though, you huh?
1: Get, have a high pressure on it. I think you can hold the seal. Yeah. Try it.
2: Well, but in the end, you can only have 12 pounds. pour. You know, and more than that, uh, right?
1: Which is a not that bad serving carbonation level, but of course you're doing it in English, so maybe you want a lower pressure. So it's up to you. You're the brewer.
2: Yeah,
5: yeah, I got you. The ideal thing would be to weld a little hook on the inside of your uh, oh your yeah. corny keg lid. Right. To
1: something. just do it right to that. Yeah. yeah. And more beer sells that too.
5: Oh, you do? Huh? And they'll weld it for you. It's a little
1: tab inside, and you just tie on your hops to the tab and replace the lid. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Jamil. Hey, Jamil,
2: what's happening?
8: All right, I, I, I wanted to tell Dave, I love Magnolia, I love your beers, I love the atmosphere, I love everything about it. Thanks.
2: Thanks. Do you know Jamil, Dave? No. No, she's kissing your ass anyway. Thanks, uh, I'll I,
8: take it. <laughs> I go down there and I, anytime in San Francisco and I, I've got the time, I stop in and have a few pints. and. Okay. You know, the service to the food, to the beer is, is excellent, plus the even the guest beers are great.
5: Nice.
2: How many guest beers do you
5: keep, Dave? Usually None. Oh, okay. Um, but, if, but we bring in special things. You so will, okay. Of, you know, if it's friends in the in the brewing industry that have something really special that we want to put on. Yeah. Or, and, uh, like I mentioned before, the J.W.E.s, the casks. Yeah. Um, we'll bring in a lot of English casks now and again. Okay. Um, right now, we don't have any on because we've got all our strong beers on. And oh, that's because you know, strong beer strong month. Strong beer month, right. But, right. um, right. We'll talk about that in a sec. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, uh, I usually bring in guest casks more so than guest kegs. Okay. Right. Um,
8: and then you, you got to go in daily so you can experience the range of stuff that they have on there
3: Exchange but fast. i wanted to
8: say on the on the casks if you're if you're going to uh use a beer engine yeah you you can't pressurize it with co2 unless it, the the pressure that you're going to use if it's more than the resistance of your line hmm. between your your beer engine and your your keg or your cask beer is just going to run out through your beer engine and onto the floor
2: oh, right.
8: And most uh, CO2 regulators, when you get down into the one psi, two psi, even, yeah, they're not very accurate. And they they tend to range around, and you're just gonna end up with a big mess. So don't, yeah, don't hook it up at low pressure. Either buy a cask breather. Yeah, it's gonna rain you about seventy five bucks.
2: Oh, you found one?
8: Yeah, I have one. Just go on the internet, type in cask breather, and you'll okay. find a guy who sells them.
2: Oh, perfect. And, uh, with
8: uh, do that, or another trick is get yourself a sterile filter from uh, more beer or one of those places. Yeah. Hook it in with a piece of soft tubing onto your uh, gas in line, and hook that up to your keg. And you may be getting oxygen, and it may be ox- uh, oxidizing a little bit, but at least uh, you're not going to get uh, sour, funky flavors off of that using the sterile filter.
2: It's regular. It's just like a HEPA filter, right?
8: Yeah, it's a little disk filter that goes right in. Yeah. That's a
2: good um, idea. Yeah, it yeah.
8: costs you a couple of bucks. It's, it's not that expensive. So that's, that's one idea. way to do it and you know do that when you when you're hooking it up uh but don't don't pressurize your keg if you're if you're hooking up to a beer engine cuz you'll just yeah, you beer everywhere eventually.
2: The, that's you know what that's such an obvious and great point because when you're pull, it's a hand pump. You're pulling. There's no. It's not like a a regular tap where it has to be pushed. So you're right. It's just going to squeeze right out.
8: Right. There's no restriction. No check valve in that direction. Yeah. They yeah. do have check valves. You can put in. Okay. Um. You know, same guy that sells a cast breather can sell you the check valves.
2: Gotcha. You have a hand All pump. Right. You have a hand pump at home too.
8: Yes, I do. I've got a, the Mercedes of uh, hand pumps. Really? Uh, an Angram.
2: Doesn't surprise me. So we have
8: it, See, uh, I'll, so I'll bring it down and, and hook it up there at the studio for you.
2: Hey, do it. That'd be awesome. Can we leave it here? All right. Hey, before you go, then, you want to uh, point out maybe one or two of your favorite Magnolias and tell us about those? Can you think of anything off the top of your head you really like of his beer?
8: Um, I think the the last time I was there, the Brown, what, what's the name of the Brown, Dave?
5: Big Cypress Brown.
8: Yeah, that that was something special. And they had it on cast the, the last time I was there, and it was just so tasty.
2: Nice. I love that a lot. All right. All right, cool. Thanks, Jamil. Hey, thanks, thanks, Jamil. All
1: right, see you, buddy. Bye. Take care. That's cool. It's a good point with the HEPA filter. Yeah, because then you get the oxygen in, but yeah. not all the bacteria. So, you'd, But you'd probably have to gravity feed then at that point. Yeah. Because how are you going to... You'd have to gravity feed into your hand pump. Or, no, the hand pump creates a no, right. Pump. Yeah, the hand okay. pump's
2: doing it, and you're creating, you're now opening up the CO2 side right. by putting a fitting on there with a HEPA filter. Right. So, okay. no, you can still just pump it. That's a great way to do it. Although, 70 bucks for the thing, that's not terrible. If you are real interested in having a, you know, uh, not, it not going stale, maybe that thing's going to be around for a month or so, I, I think 70 bucks isn't bad. No, no. You can just go online and do a search for it, like you said.
5: Yeah, I mean, a, a month you would have it's oxidation. Bit, yeah, right. Okay. At least you wouldn't have spoilage because right. of the filter. Okay,
2: but um, yeah, I'd spend the seventy bucks if it was going to be sitting around a month. Of course, in my house, uh, it's not going to sit around for a month anyway, so I wouldn't need to spend the seventy bucks. I'd do the HEPA filter route. That would uh, would go fine for me. Okay, uh, we got to take a quick break. Oh, we got another phone call. Hey, MedTech, is that you?
7: Yeah, that's me.
2: <laughs> What's happening, buddy? Hey,
7: I just had to say to CJ, you're too damn slow. Who's too You've slow? Been trying to call for the last. 20 minutes. I give it one try, and I'm through. I don't know what his problem is. because so, oh. he's
2: too drunk. Okay. <laughs> uh, someone trying to call him, the yeah, he is too slow. Is that all you called uh, in yeah. for, just to beat him to it? Uh-huh. <laughs> all right, thanks for the call. If
7: he's not drunk enough, then
2: he can't make it through. He can't dial. <laughs> you got to be drunk to call. Right. Thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> all right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break, I think. And we have uh, some listener beers. Oh, yeah, you want to do? You want to take a break and taste him, or you want
1: to taste him now? Let's taste him now. Yeah, why don't we taste him and then just get out of here? Okay. Alright. What do you got? Uh this is Carlo Camarda from Sonoma County. It says Belgian triple with Bretomyces is spiked. Okay. And then I've also got a... Uh, am Den- in the
2: mood for a good Belgian triple too, so that's uh that sounds good. Wow, what do you got going on there? Sorry, buddy. <laughs> it says Belgian triple poured in a hurricane. <laughs> and uh all right, here. Let me finish this.
1: And then we have uh, Denny Morton's IPA. Oh you got two, huh? Yes. What'd they do? Just drop these off straight to you at the shop? Yeah, they they email me and they wanna get on the Get our honest opinion and see what we think, but.
2: Okay, cool. Uh, y'all know that you can send us your beer at any time. We're happy to do it and give you a good, uh, you know, evaluation of your beer. Of course, if you're worried about criticism or something, don't send it to us. But if you want a good honest opinion, uh, we love to do it. And uh, John and Doc are real good at tasting them. And we always have a, a good brewer in here like Dave to help us out too. So, uh, if you need the address to send it, I did pull it off of the website. Um, you, you never know who's gonna read that, and so uh, go ahead and shoot me an email. And if you're, I'll, I'll give you the email address. I'm not that discriminating about it. All you have to do is say, "Can I have the address?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I gave away like ten people this week, so it's not a big deal. All right, so who's are we tasting first here? This is Carlos, uh, Belgian triple
1: the Brett. What's Carlos' screen name? You know anybody remember? I don't remember. He's the guy that's standing in front of a big f- fermenter. That's his avatar. Okay. Oh, it smells it smells good. It's really well done. You've already had this. No, I, well, I tried it earlier, yes. Yeah, the aroma's great. Yeah. hmm I love that smell.
2: Oh, that's nice. hmm ton, a ton of fruity flavor in there. I think uh, that maltiness
1: will go away in time because the bread will keep working.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's not as uh, as sour as a lot of the ones we get, and I like that. You it do. is still sour. Oh, yeah. But the fruit... I, I love that when you can have two completely different, opposite things happening. Yeah, a sweet fruit and a sour like the Brett. Ah, that's I like that.
5: It's nice and complex. Mm-hmm.
2: That's it's good. really good. I like it. Anything else stand out for you? Any particular flavors, Dave, that you got there?
5: I love the fruit from the fermentation. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, the, the Brett gets me more in the nose. Okay, and then. You know what? What gives way after that is definitely a nice fruitiness. Yeah. You know you don't usually find it. You know a, a triple. Right. Which tends to be very fruity. Pretty
2: dry in the aftertaste too. Mm-hmm. Which is good. You want that to go away real quick off your tongue, and it does. Leaves you with the with re- the fruit. It's t- refreshing too. It's, it's I drink a lot of this. There's nothing wrong with this beer, Carlo. Oh, I like (laughs) it. (laughs) This is really a good beer. I'm just going to drink it all. Yeah, could you uh, send another one? (laughs) Not for tasting on the air, but for uh, off-site drinking?
1: A little six-ouncer, you know? Is that what he sent, the little guy?
2: Okay. Itching it out. Yeah. He did it in one of those uh, smaller champagne bottles. basically a mini champagne bottle is what he he, sent. He needs to enter this in the Nationals. This is really... It's a nice beer. Yeah. I got... I, don't th- I think Doc would be loving this, too. Doc oh, loves a good out. good double.
1: So yeah. We could leave it open for a week, and he wouldn't even know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the same.
2: No, that's great. Hey, Carlo, I, I, what a dead segment. I got nothing to say except for it's real good. <laughs> Everyone loves it. Very nice. All right, we're going to try the other one now. Go ahead, Danielle.
4: He wants to know. He's in the chat room tonight, and he would like to know if there was any fault in his uh, beer.
2: And he, he wants to know if there's any faults. It's, it's fine, man. Not it's one. Well Get get nothing yep. stale, nothing, uh, it's all fresh and nice, and uh, this isn't me talking, I know you don't want my opinion, to, uh, Carlo, but uh, no, it's, it's,
5: it's nothing, right? I really enjoy it every, all the way around.
2: Yeah, don't change a thing, J- uh, brew it again, exactly the same. Don't ever, ever change, change. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Carlo, uh, send us a bad one if you want some advice, yeah. don't send us these gems. Uh, post a recipe. Put it up on the forum if you would.
1: Yeah, Um, We should have a homebrew recipe section. That'd be
2: cool. Sure. Yeah, post the recipe and post uh, your procedure, what you fermented at, all that kind of stuff. I'd be curious about that. Uh, If you warm ferment. Just uh, in the chat room, post there for us, Carlo, what temp you fermented at. Because I'd be curious just to find that out. That's that's just good.
1: Mm -hmm. Yummy, yummy. Uh, Next, we're trying Denny Morton's Columbus IPA. Man, is it killer aroma. Switching over to the IPA. All right. You like this, Jen? Oh, of course! It so. smells awesome,
2: buddy. You could send me like the worst IPA you ever made;
1: I'd still like it. it smells like dank, though.
2: It does. It smells like
1: cousin. Oh yeah. Okay. Like a floral cousin.
2: It smells like the hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, Dave. I recognize this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? It doesn't just smell like. Uh, it's not just cousin. It's real grassy. And I know I'm not. I don't mean grass, but uh, a a real like a wet Wet hop. Yeah, yeah, like a wet hop grassy flavor. You get that too? Mm -hmm.
1: Mhm. Which I like. I love that. Very very grassy. It's like mowing a lawn of hops. It's clean beer, malty.
5: Yeah, it does smell a little like some of the wet hop harvest beers. Yeah. That's good. All
2: right, there's a little something in there though. It could just be the bitterness, actually. John, you taste anything going on in this beer? It's just the hops are so overwhelming. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. It's real. You know what? Uh, yeah, that's not a bad thing at all. Actually, I'm tasting. It's very flowery on the tongue. It's really like a bouquet. Like like really, it's flowers. Not even just hops, but it kind of tastes like flowers back there. I think, mm-hmm. which is nice. Like flowers. Yeah, it's gay. I know, but uh, I can't help it. That's okay. what it tastes like. Mm-hmm. It's real good. Did you try it, Daniela? No, I
4: haven't
2: yet. Here you go. Yeah, take Thank a sip you, of that. John. Anything wrong? Can you guys pick anything out in there that maybe he could have changed um,
1: at all? Nothing, John? I, I think it's a clean, malty, well-done beer. Yeah. I wonder what hops he used. Did you, did you get an ingredient thing out of him? I tried looking at his recipe today, but it's, it's just, it was so hard to read. I couldn't uh-huh. read it. Um But he uses a lot of Columbus hops. I know that. Okay. And I think he mashed about 154, 155, so it gives it a malt profile.
5: Yeah. It, there's a nice malt profile. It's almost a little too... It finishes with a little bit of sweetness that I maybe wouldn't expect in an IPA like this. in yeah. big like West Coast IPA. I w- uh,
2: I wonder if that's the flour thing I'm picking up because it is. A su- it's not a, a. It's not bitter at all. The aftertaste is not bitter. It's it's more of a of that sweet. Thing
5: happening. Do you get a spice right. going on like There's a, a little spice. Like like
1: a, yeah. Was it a ginger or? A, not a ginger, but a I do
5: yeah. get something like that. Yeah. There's a little bit there. Hmm.
2: It's good. I'm going to finish it. Me too. <laughs> That's
1: great. Well, awesome beers.
2: Okay. I want to wrap up uh, with just one more uh, <laughs> a brief discussion with you, Dave, and then we're going to get out of here let sure. you let you get down to the yes. celebrator party. Uh, a question came through about water profiles, and let me just plug again. Uh, sorry to do this, but your website's just so great because you even go into detail about the water that you use on your site, and, and, and you talk about the uh, Hetch Hetchy Water, which is what it's called in San Francisco there.
5: Yeah, Hetchy Hetch is the reservoir out uh, near Yosemite that's uh, okay. somewhat controversial. In that, you know, San Francisco has commandeered a water supply out in the Sierras right. and brings it across the valley. Right, but um, but it's very great water. Yeah. It's pristine Sierra Nevada mountain water. Pretty hard. Um, uh, it's medium hard. Okay. Um, it's not really hard. Okay. You know, when you think if you're looking at it from the perspective of you know, like I was, especially starting out of kind of English-influenced beers. Yeah. You know, you think of Burton and you think of how hard their water is, but that's ridiculously hard water. Sure. Um, you know, that blows everything else, literally, no pun intended, <laughs> out of the water. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. you yep. know, Hetch Hetchy is a nice base because it's got some hardness and mineral content to it, but, you know, if you need to make a dry, you know, British-style bitter or IPA or something, you can definitely... Add your calcium sulfate or magnesium sulfate and try to Burtonize things a little bit.
2: Okay. Now, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because the question was what you think about water profiles. And this is what you mentioned uh, on your website. That for the most part, you'll use the water as it is because it's fairly hard. But occasionally, you'll do a style of beer where you need it to be harder. And by harder, what, what is it that we're saying? What makes the water uh, harder than, than, say, normal?
5: Well, it's, it, you're talking about mineral content. Okay. You know, uh, different ions, different mineral ions, calcium, magnesium. Okay. Um,
2: which is why some of these beers from the Burton-on-Trent water, mm-hmm. one of the flavors and the profiles you can actually describe is that it's very minerally. Yeah. And, you know, on your palate, in your mouth, it's a minerally flavor.
5: Yeah. And, and occasionally, even you could even say salty, which sounds horrible. But, not, okay. you know, if it's just there in the background... In the right amount, it's, it's actually a, can be a pleasing effect. Okay. Um, so yeah, salty it wouldn't even be out of the wouldn't be wrong to say that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, mineral hardness it, and it, what it really does best is really just give an extra snap or punch to the hops. Okay. So in the, if you're making a very hoppy beer, um, or even just a a balanced beer that you want to have a nice sharp hop profile, then you'll, hard it then you'll harden it up. Then you harden it up. Okay. That's kind of where, where Burton excelled with the IPAs back in you know the 18th century. And I what do you do to harden it up? I add, um, I usually add calcium sulfate if I'm looking for the kind of mineral snap to my hops that I'm looking for. Okay. Um, there are several, you know, calcium chloride is another another mineral you can add. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, it's kind of hard to talk about uh, water, what the water does to the taste of the beer. But, I, you know, in a nutshell, I feel like calcium chloride kind of adds more of a, palate fullness or palate roundness okay whereas calcium sulfate is more of like a sharp snap more of like a it accentuates the dryness of the hops the, tr- the drying effect of hops in your mouth okay um so those are two that i play around with definitely more of the calcium sulfate because we're making hoppy beers a lot of the time and sure. that's what we're going for is something that accentuates that are but both
2: of those available on homebrew level oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah we definitely. do have those okay mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, that's a good thing to play around with then. Just yeah, it's fun. It, yeah, I mean, it's
5: fun to maybe just alter it one time on a beer that you know really well. Yeah. Because it's, the effects are very, very subtle. Okay. You know, you're not going to find something dramatic, you know, so it should be something that you know well okay. to begin with so that when you change it a little bit, you know, you can identify what that was. Right. Otherwise, you wouldn't know. Don't make it your first batch. No. Right. That one. No. Hey, CJ, you're on the air.
11: Hey.
2: What's happening, buddy?
11: Hey, I'm calling it for fucking drunk of the week.
2: <laughs> Your use of the F word already puts you in high category of drunk yeah. of the week, CJ. That should, that should. <laughs> you, know you. I
11: mean? hey, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm calling it for drunk of the week because I'm fucking wasted. Cause I've been drinking since like noon.
3: <laughs> All right.
11: Since the uh, since the blues show. Oh, nice. I want to say uh, I want to I want to give a piece out to to Bub. You know? Yeah. With the, uh, with the curling sisters. He knows what I'm talking about there.
2: He does. Uh, you guys seen the women's curling team in the Olympics this year? You had a chance to look at that, Dave? I haven't had a Johnson chance to watch the
3: Olympics. The are fucking hot.
2: <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. Like with uh with curling, it's not the sport that you're going to figure you're going to find the hotties in, right? You just don't put it that way. But uh, the U.S. team, uh, they're not bad. I no, looked at
3: no, so it. A
11: what? ass dude. I Very mean, those chicks. I mean, hey, I'd, I'd put them in my bed. They could eat some crackers in my
2: bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't care. You could spill some crumbs. It's all right. Well, somebody all right, posted you know, a picture. I kick
11: them out of bed, we'll fuck them on the floor. Oh, oh
4: kill killed his
2: listener.
11: <laughs> oh, come on, Dad. Bye. No, no, Good night. Around. Thanks for What's
4: hanging. Up? See you later. I'm going to jail. That's
11: not right. No, you're not
4: right there.
11: <laughs> oh, come on. Maybe come yeah. on. You don't us. say
4: that on the air when there's a girl in the room
7: oh damn
4: yeah you've been a bad boy all night long
7: Uh uh-oh that's okay
2: (laughs) (laughs) don't let me show you my dip tube oh doc
1: (laughs) doc what did you cut did you cut the dip tube doc what's up
2: buddy doc's angry about his dip tube is doc
11: back there or what i thought he wasn't there tonight. never doc today
2: he's hanging out right here
3: don't
11: make
2: me come over
5: there and bitch slap you (laughs)
2: He's <laughs> pissed. You got to watch out. He's angry that you very came on good, here very good. talking. What's <laughs>
5: awesome up? You, <laughs> you, know? hey, uh, you guys good. is great. <laughs> <laughs> all
3: right,
2: hey, I, I, all right, you you beat out boob for the drunk of the week. Yeah. Sweet. Thank yeah, you. you got it. Just for coming on being vulgar. I appreciate it. Daniela doesn't, but uh, I don't care. I'm sorry,
4: Danielle. No, I don't accept your apology now. It's (laughs) over.
2: (laughs) It's over between you two. I'm getting slapped around. Hey,
11: listen, you guys. Thanks a lot for everything. All right.
2: Thank you, CJ. We'll see you. All right. Bye. Cheers. All right. uh, All in good fun. CJ's a good guy Mm -hmm. hanging out uh, in the blue show this morning. Uh, Everybody's welcome here, folks. I don't care what you have to say. I might hang up on you. Danielle might get pissed, but uh, we don't censor. What are we going to do, right? Until we, be have <laughs> <with me>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have to angry with yeah. me. No, you don't
4: say that. Come on.
2: <laughs> well, someday we have to, I suppose. Oh. All right, we're going to get out of here. And You know, uh, we have
4: a, another phone call. Let's get it.
2: <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just take it? it right now. Caller, you're on the air. Well, I didn't even pick it up. Hang on, let's try here. Here we go. Caller, you're on the air. Hey. Hey, we t- oh, hey it's my brother, yeah. huh? Yeah. How's it going? It's going real well. How are you, buggy? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. All right, so my brother just started his homebrew career. Uh, how many batches in are you now? Well, I just
11: kegged my second, and I've got my third fermenting right now.
2: Look at you. Whoa. What are you, yeah. trying to outdo me or something?
11: I I can't stop, man. Do you love it? I do love it. I do love oh, it. Yeah. And you know what happened? I actually, uh, I went through, I kicked my first, you know, my first batch went, went through it, right, and started yeah. to kind of panic a little bit. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> I didn't I know shit, that feeling I, yet. What's that? I know that feeling, yeah, yeah.
11: Yeah, yeah, so, uh, and it, my, uh, My second one, which is on tap right now, just wasn't done fermenting yet, so. Oh, really? I went right out and bought some more ingredients and stuff to get another batch fermenting, so this wouldn't happen to me.
2: (laughs) He's actually, see, he's worse than me. He's drinking the beer before it's done fermenting, even. (laughs) At least I wait till it's done fermenting. Uh, (laughs) It's done fermenting. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So, yeah, I brought uh, Danielle and I got my brother a, a homebrew kit for uh, for Christmas and just thought he'd like it. He's a chef also. Didn't know, though. You never know. Some people get into it. Some people don't. I think most people, if you like beer, you try homebrew and you're hooked. Mm-hmm. And I think my brother's another fine example of that happening. That's great. So what's your third yeah. batch? What'd you just brew?
11: Um, a uh, ESB.
2: Okay. Oh, there you go. Nice. And your second batch yeah. was an IPA, right?
11: Yeah, that's what I have uh, some questions about. Um, okay first of all it fermented for like 6 days
2: okay that's fine yeah before
11: is that all right that's
2: oh yeah that's absolutely all right now by fermented for 6 days do you mean you actually could see activity for 6 days yeah yeah no that's fine that's 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 real good uh what else
11: well um the taste the it's real it it's not bad it's um you know, I'm getting a lot of fruit in the beginning. It's definitely hoppy. Okay. Um, there's a little bit of bitterness there. My problem is uh, is the the finish, like that that aftertaste is like that bitterness kicks in and taste over takes over so much that it's almost uh, it's almost harsh. Yeah. Um, it's young. The only way I know how to explain it, like what I, what it tastes like, and I don't know if they say this in beer making or whatever, but. It tastes almost like a wine that has sat on its lees for too long, you know, like yeah. sat on that dead yeast cells, and but not in a good way.
2: Yeah, well, well, that in particular didn't happen with you because you took it out of the carboy pretty quick. I know mm-hmm. that. Um, uh, you know the story. Well, well jo- for eleven days total. Yeah, eleven. That's nothing. You're not going to get bad flavors sitting on a yeast bed for eleven days. How long has it been caked? How long has been in uh, the Uh...
1: Day and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's
2: green. It's yeah, John makes a great point about, and he tells me this all the time too. Let it uh, age for
1: three to four weeks, man. Yeah,
2: age will change the flavor of that harsh bitterness too.
1: A yeah. lot of that harshness will fall out, especially when it's under carbonation. Everything will just settle right. out. Your malt profile will come out. It won't be as watery as thin. You'll, no. you'll just have a more well balanced beer. Give it three to four weeks. Did you dry or, hop?
11: No, I didn't dry hop this time, but I am. I'm going to dry hop the
2: next one. Yeah, you'll just notice it even now. I'm going to dry hop. You might get it even more, not the bitterness there, but you'll get even more of a green flavor there. Age does wonders, and it's one thing that I've, you know, I've gotten better at since the start of the show. I still make fun that I drink all my beers within a week. I've stretched it to two weeks now, I think, uh, uh, but it you. definitely, it does change, it really changes everything. Uh, more so, I notice, I'll go over to John's house and try one of his beers, and I'll go, oh, that's great, I'll come back two weeks later, or a month later, and uh, it's even better, mm-hmm. and, and then it's perfect, you know, and. Uh, so that's got a lot to do with it. The other thing, you know, if you're getting a really a super bitter aftertaste, you know, what was your what was your bittering hop? Ah, uh, Columbus. Look at
11: I think it was Cascade, right? It's the one you guys sent to me.
2: Oh, it's, so it's the IPA from uh, B3. IPA. Okay, yeah. so Columbus. Yeah. You know. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Columbus, that's right. Just that alone, I've done a IPAs too, where you just get. You're right about it's too bitter. It's even it's hard to enjoy the beer when the aftertaste just kills you. Um, yeah. So, you know, that uh, part of it is just that, and, and it will age out, too. And, you know, maybe you could have upped the malt a little bit, but it was a kit, so what are you going to do, you know? Right? You just throw all that shit in the pot and open it up. Make sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, now, with your ESB, what, what kind of hops are you using there? Like how much and what do you got? Uh,
11: let's see. Let me get my, my uh, book, actually, so I can tell you exactly. Cool. I
1: think it's Ken, Ken Goldings in Northern Brewer.
2: I don't know. Did you order a kit or you made it yourself?
11: Um, actually, I'm following a recipe this time. Um, uh, Fuller... I know you, you keep telling me to stop reading, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's out of Fuller's C S
2: B. Oh, it's a clone. Okay, so it's a clone of Fuller's. That's what we tried today, you know. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that was our tasting of the week. You apparently didn't tune in for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, on
11: I it. was in I was at a... Uh, you need to have sympathy. I was at a uh, baby shower. Oh, house then.
2: Oh, man. That was yeah. today, huh? Yeah. He invited... Oh,
11: yeah. He was wondering why you weren't... You know what he actually thought?
2: <laughs> what?
11: Because you ha- he hasn't heard from you in a while. Yeah. And right. uh, he called a couple times this week, and I wasn't... I was I was home, not at work, which was kind of unusual. Yeah. He thought that you were here.
2: <laughs> in like, town. Like, going to surprise you at the baby shower? I guess. Yeah. I got an invite from my... My, my brother's having a kid. Uh... My dad sends me an invitation to go to the baby shower. Now, for one, they're on the other side of the country. They're in Connecticut, right? Two, it's a freaking baby shower. I'm going to fly out there to go to a baby shower? It's gay. <laughs> it's gay. It's, <laughs> it's my own... Yeah, no. He's talking to his wife. Back there. No offense, sweetheart. Uh, but, you know, I'm not flying out there for a baby shower. Yeah. Kids. Kids are nuts, huh? I just talking about, it, like, you know... You know what sucks about having a brother who's having the first kid? I'm gonna have to hear all this crap. Like they're gonna call. Oh my god! You know, like my dad's gonna call. You're like, an uncle. Man. He's a. I'm an uncle. He's a first-time grandpa. Dad's gonna call. He's gonna be like, "Oh, you should see him. He's walking." Of course, he's walking. He's a freaking biped. Like what's right. the? Like people have a kid, and then uh, before you know it, everything's this special. You should hear him talk. Well, he's got a voice box, doesn't he? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, oh, right? <laughs> Definitely. All right. What's the hop? Uh, what's the hop thing you got for your for your ISP? Let's do this quick and get out of here.
11: All right. Uh, I used um, let's see, ounce and a quarter of northern brewer hops.
2: That's your bitter.
11: Uh, yeah. Okay. A bittering and flavoring. Actually, I used an ounce and a quarter first, and then a uh, half ounce. For flavoring, so okay. ounce and a quarter for bittering, half ounce for flavoring,
3: uh-huh. right? Uh-huh.
11: Uh huh. half ounce of Challenger hops.
2: Uh-huh.
11: And, uh huh. And an ounce and a half of East
2: uh, Kent Golding
11: Yeah, it, East Kent Golding hops, one ounce, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dry hop it with that hop
2: That's as a well. Dry hop. What's your malt? How much how, how much extract are you putting in there?
11: Six uh, Six pounds, and it's. This is another question I had. It's um. It's the dried
1: malt extract.
2: Yeah, that's okay. A stronger. Yeah, it's Isn't more concentrated, it? sure. You'll so get a higher 20% gravity. 20% stronger than a liquid. Oh, it's 20%? That's mm-hmm. the official number there? Well, roughly. Yeah. But. Okay, so that's then the equivalent of 8 pounds of Must extract? Say, yeah. All right.
11: You know, you know what I have a problem with, though, is when I'm adding it, yeah. the steam gets to it, and it just sticks and cakes up yeah. on everything, so I never end up adding. You know, yeah. I'm probably losing a few ounces,
2: you know what's the rule here, John? D- DME you should really only be adding if you need to up your gravity. Other than that, you should use extract, right?
1: Well, he's doing a clone version, so they recommend a dried malt extract. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. I mean, liquids is going to be easier to use. It's more. It's made from a grain, a malt. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Dry malt is too, but they just rip everything out and just crystallize and get all the sugars out of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would I would say definitely go with a liquid to be more traditional, more to homebrew. And yeah, this is my record. Really.
2: Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say your ESB is going to be damn hoppy. Yeah. You're, I think you're right. I would have used uh, well,
1: that. Well,
11: yeah, I upped the hops uh, a little bit just because <laughs> I like to Because you're a
2: Crosley, that's why.
11: Brother like right. brother, huh? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> we just can't resist. Like, they're sitting there
1: and you got to do it. you got to gotta push the <laughs> buttons, don't yeah. you?
2: you are on, I'm not going to leave it to laying around, you know? Yeah, exactly. You're on the wrong coast, man. <laughs> you don't do that. Yeah, no kidding. You don't do that out in Poughkeepsie, New York. Yeah, no kidding. They'll... Uh, string you up for that well let us know how it turns you, can you send us some or what sure yeah send us some of that i'd like to try this esb i i'm thinking it's going to be like a uh hoppy pale ale so that's what i'm that's what i'm my guess is right now yeah. and uh oh, yeah. age out that ipa if you can is it is it gone yet or what not yet yeah age it a little bit don't don't drink any more of it
1: well, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't.
2: John tells me the same thing all the time, and I just can't you do it. You just
1: look at me like you're you're stupid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. All right. All right. Hey, thanks, man.
11: Yeah, no problem. Thank you. I'll talk uh, to you guys Bye, right, buddy.
2: We'll see you. See you, Crossley. <laughs> That's hey. That's scary. Uh, it's like talking to myself.
4: Are we having a Stump the Brewer this week? No. No. Next week?
2: Mm-hmm. I think everybody in here has to pee. If we're gonna do something Brewer, we're taking a break and then coming back. But we don't have anything to oh, give away.
4: Here's a phone. <laughs> oh, Just take it.
2: They're <laughs> gonna do that pee thing to you again. You know that, don't you? Dave, I want you to know you you're welcome to go if you need to. You all don't right. have to. I might take <laughs> you up on that. <laughs> yeah, you can go pee. It's all right. <laughs> uh, caller, you're on the air.
7: Hey, Justin. Yeah. Hey, it's Travis.
2: Hi, Travis. How are you?
7: I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm
2: doing okay. What's happening?
7: Hey, when's the cider show?
2: <laughs> You're an asshole, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> the cider show is sometime in October. I think is what we're looking at.
7: Hey, it's time to bottle cider now. Damn it!
2: It is like from last year.
7: Yeah, six months in the uh, fermenter usually.
2: Oh, that's what you got to do. You got to s- uh, see. I didn't realize that you have to sit your six uh, your cider around for six months, huh?
7: Yeah, six months, I, you know, I'm kind of lazy. Mine usually goes about a year.
2: Okay. Here, I'm going to give you a real short version of the Cider Show. Hey, Lufa, after six months, go ahead and take it out of there.
7: Yeah, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the whole Cider Show. <laughs> no, we're waiting on the Two Rivers guy because he's like the Cider King out here, and he's the one we want to do it.
7: All right. Gucci was feeling abandoned because nobody's backing him up on the Cider Show. That's
2: he's fun. just angry because we'll he's been it. drinking whiskey we'll all day. Work on it.
7: And, and why in the hell are you working, Danielle, when she's sick?
4: Oh, thank you.
2: Hey. <coughs> there's no holiday out here. What do you think? This is Europe? we got to work. <laughs> you <know? All> right. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Travis. All
6: right. Later, man. See you, good buddy. Time.
2: All right. Yeah, we don't even have anything to give away for Stump the Brew this week, so let's we not We had a it.
4: really good question, though. But we did? Yeah, we can keep it for next week, I guess.
2: Yeah, save for next week, yeah. We're out of here. Who's awesome. on next week? El Toro? El Toro. Awesome. Yeah. We tried theirs yesterday, too. Yeah. That's right. El Toro Yo was the barley wine I had from yeah, them. Yeah, you mentioned that. Nice. Very nice. nice. I'm excited about them coming in. In fact, uh, I've been drinking El Toro since I uh, started drinking good beer, basically. And they were some of my
1: first. And the week after that? What do we got? Ailsmith, Peter Zien Ooh. from San Diego. Oh, very nice. On the phone nice. for an hour. On the phone. And okay. the week after that? Yeah. You don't
2: know? Yeah, you know. I do? Oh, is that, uh, is that the turn of the King? Yes. Ah, uh, The week after that is Dan Gordon. Coming oh,
4: out. nice. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I ask you one beer-related question before we get out of here? All of you guys?
5: All of us? Okay, Go uh,
4: ahead. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, the other guys.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> guys, to answer. The guys who know something about beer. Okay. All right. So the question is, if you could give an example of a beer that has fruit flavors from the yeast, uh, this listener is not uh, quite sure what that is.
2: Example of a beer. Can you help
4: him with that? Because he doesn't know if his pellets are just very bad or if you could if you could help him out with that.
5: Fruit flavors? Mm-hmm. From the yeast. From the yeast. A, a commercial example? So readily available? Yeah.
4: Doesn't matter to him, I guess.
5: No, he will. He probably wants to try it. So, hmm yeah, yeah, commercial. Um, you know, the Fuller's ESB that we tried? Fruity. Um, that's sort of the classic um, fruity English-style beer. And that um, comes
2: directly from the yeast.
5: And that's yeah, I mean, some would say argue it's a little bit of a marriage between some malt flavors and the yeast, but it's predominantly a yeasty. Uh, some people call it an orange marmalade. I think Michael Jackson famously refers to it as an orange marmalade taste. Okay, mm-hmm. that's about as fruity as it gets yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then a Belgian triple, you know, maybe like a Chimay, the White Label Chimay. Mm-hmm.
2: That's a that's a great commercial example there. You can get most places the Chimay, and that is literally straight from the yeast. Yeah. yeah. All the fruit, fruit you get
5: there is. Yeast,
2: yeah. German-style Hefeweizen. Go pick yourself up a good Hefe. Banana. You get that strong banana. That's uh, true. Straight from the yeast. That does not come from malt or anything else. That's mm. just a yeast byproduct there. Uh, any any true German-style Hefeweizen, yeah, the, all those fruity flavors and esters that you get are straight from the yeast. What's a good German hefe, Daniela?
4: I like the Paul Honor one a lot. That the Erdinger one to. is good, too.
2: You can get both of those here. You can? In the States. Well, yeah. certainly Paul Honor. Um, Erdinger probably depends on where you are, but uh, it's, it's semi-popular.
4: Both of them are quite good.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I
4: haven't had them here in the States, I guess.
2: You've had the Polano right? yeah, oh, I have yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah, the Polano is good. I would go for that one.
2: Obviously, better in Germany, but uh, Polano actually ships a little better. They do the, they definitely do the dark bottle. You know, they're all their bottles are brown, no, no green, nothing else. Um, uh, yeah, it seems to hold up a little better. Although, if you buy that, their Hellas, they just call it lager here. It's called Polano Lager, no, but no. that's their Hellas. It's still good, uh, but it's certainly not like it was when it left Germany. Yeah, I'll tell you that it's right not now. not age well. Yeah. But that has nothing to do with fruity yeast, fruity yeast. All right, let's get out of here, huh? Yeah. Dave, uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out. It was my pleasure. This okay. was great. Okay. I loved it. Well, I hope to have you back. Um and sure. uh, but 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 I, more importantly, I hope to see you down at your pub cuz I want to come drink some of those beers. Come on right. Okay. Very good. Give you a tour. Awesome. Indeed, yeah. I'll, to, give me the short tour. I'm going to hit my head down there. At the, duck. You remember to duck a lot. <laughs> yeah. oh, no.
5: should Give out helmets. <laughs> <That's what> I'm <laughs> just going to say. Magnolia construction helmets. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome.
2: Yeah. You know what? That's a great gimmick just for your brew tours. Might that that you might start
5: doing You have
2: magnolia helmets. Have your bartenders wear them. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Nice.
10: Thanks. Dale, Dale is a friend of mine, and that's your lack like good body wine. Chocolate porter, it out, port don't you know what? About. Don't you give me that a bear to cruise for the one a real homebrew? Homebrew, don't you really love it? Home brew can't get enough. I love that home Can't get enough of it. Home brew—it my mind. I love home brew all the time. yeah can happen. Well, I'll have that one right now. I'll take a Belgian crew any time And the women say the lamb is fine But don't you give me that American crew Boys, I want a real home brew. Home brew, don't you really love us That a home brew? can't get enough of it Home brew, it blows my mind I love home crew all the time Yeah, I think I'll have it